0: G'day Nagasha, it's AOS Coach, and we are talking all things Soulblight Gravelords. You got a new book. I don't know if it's new new art. I can't remember if you got new art mm. or not. Nah, I was going to say, this is the gets treatment. You got good rules, um, yep. but you got old art. But I am here with the Mortark of the Corsairs and uh, Corsairs, Corsair. I've, I'm, I've this. <laughs> Corsairs, Corsairs, <laughs> Corsairs. Corsiers, Corsairs, I'm looking at too many books. Look, I'm here with the, one of the top performing grave Gravelords player. It's Alex Gonzalez, who is a summonable hero we've recently learned, And we're yeah, talking grave sure. Gravelords.
1: <laughs> Glad to be on, man. Um, yeah, I love the new book. And uh, I'm definitely very excited to get a lot more reps with it.
0: First off, welcome back, uh, because I had you on the last book and probably a nice little segue because obviously you got a new book, new rules, updated War Scrolls, things have changed, things have improved, things have been lost. What's your overall read?
1: Uh, not gonna lie. I went into it with a lot of, I was very, very, very skeptical to see what they were going to do. Part of me thought that they were going to turn it into like a very irrelevant book. Um, it is one of the most popular books or, or armies to play in all of Age of Sigmar. So, you know, because of that, it also doesn't have like a good win percentage and things like that pretty consistently. Um, I was incredibly pleased with what they did. Um, I knew that there were things that were probably going to go away and some of those surprised me, but the amount of things that they added um, definitely made up for it. They I, We gained more than we lost by a
0: mile. So you were overall just happy with the book?
1: Yeah, there's so much. I mean, even with old Legion and Nagash days in 1.0, there the entire army was relatively like a toolkit and now it's just... Each, each time the book, a new book comes out, it's just a further refined toolkit that you have. It's, the army is like a multi-tool. You know, Sons of Behemoth might be a hammer, just like, a, you know, one type of tool, you know, kits might be another, you know, this one's kind of like a Leatherman.
0: It was interesting because I was obviously reading this book at the same time as uh, Osiac Bone Reapers. Mm-hmm. And reading, reading OBR, obviously, one, it has a lot less War Scrolls. But two, it was very obvious where the strengths were, um, mm-hmm. super obvious. But this reminds me a lot of Cities of Sigma, where it's not the allegiance ability. It's not a particular sub-faction. It's the combinations and it's all the little things you do together to make it as powerful as it can be. So on the surface, like Cities of Sigma, you're like, eh, this is all right. And then you, when you get really into the list building and the combinations and the spells and the artifacts, it's like, right, I could build something really powerful Did you feel the same way with this book or did things like just stand out to you immediately as an experienced player?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, I think that the sentiment that you have now is a sentiment that I had in the previous book because there were a lot of different abilities and things you could do with war scrolls that weren't faction specific. Um, Now there are a lot of wombo combos that like I used to run, for example, that are not possible anymore due to keyword restriction. Um, for me it's more of the sub factions very subtly well in some of them it's very obvious but in others it kind of subtly guides you by the hand to try to make a list related to or the the best optimized list for those sub factions are generally going to be in a very specific range at least in my opinion there are some that have more like uh utility you know uh, that we can go into later but um some of them are very like this is the one thing that they do others are others can perform multiple jobs
0: yeah you you definitely feel that when you look at uh let's say avangori for example it kind of mm-hmm. forces you down a particular build you look at uh obviously Castellai and it's obviously promoting like vampire lord and zombie dragon and your blood knights but then there's other ones like legion of blood and even like it's actually interesting because when i got to legion of night i'm like oh this is different like, what are you actually trying to build me towards? Because in the past, I deep strike, I do all these crazy things. Now I'm like, what are you trying to achieve, Legion of Night? <laughs> And I'm, I don't know if I've got the answer just yet.
1: Legion of Night is really, really interesting. Um, You know, my, I, my, my, twin brother plays Warhammer now and I uh, got him in and uh, he's been playing some Soul Blight now as well. And he's been really thinking about Legion of Knights. So I've been kind of looking over things for him, uh, you know, trying to get some lists to, for him to test out. And that one's it's funky. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's really, really cool to have that kind of ambush mechanic in addition to the you know, grave sites and having a heroic action to just be able to teleport and just like dip out. I mean, who needs Tunnelmaster then, right? Like yeah.
0: It'll probably be gone in a couple of months anyway, but from what I'm yeah. hearing from you, you like the book, uh overall, yeah, you lost some things, but overall you think it's a gain and more importantly a refinement. So, if you're already playing Soul like Black Grave Lords, consider this a refinement and a tweaking of like what you did in the past. Um if you're new to the faction, it's always doing what it used to do just Little different,
1: (laughs) yeah, exactly.
0: When uh, maybe some high level stuff, and then we'll get into the weeds because it is a big book. And and for anyone who's listening, Alex and I are not going to go into every single war scroll (laughs) because we'll be here forever. Um, Alex has given me uh, a couple of lists, so we'll kind of wrap it up at the end with a couple of lists. But initially, I just want to get his thinking around. What's the sub-factions? What's the artifacts? How do you like this particular book? And what is it, as an experienced player, you're building around? But is there anything that kind of stood out to you, things that maybe weren't very good in the old book that now you're like, holy shit, this is amazing, I now need to start running this? Or maybe something that used to build around in the past. I know there's been a lot of noise from the zombie community, it's mm-hmm. like Zomb- zombies aren't that good anymore and you lost some <laughs> you lost some things i'll give you credit but i feel like some people have just put them in like trash here zo- sorry zombies you're never coming out which i think is a little bit harsh
1: yeah um i was never a big zombie person i was a big zombie dog person uh because i mained Virkos very hard um when i was playing them in the previous book um now I'm kind of waffling between vehicles and a different sub which we can of course get to later. Um, but, uh, yeah, zombies, they, I personally didn't play them cause I knew that like no game would finish on time because when you, when you play zombies, you don't play 20, you don't play 60, you play like 120 and I'm not about that. I'm, I'm not going to do that at all. I'm not going to touch it. Um, but they obviously lost their mortal wounds. um, you know, I personally think that you know, zombies are best suited either to go full into that like zombie spam shenanigans with the access to like the corpse cart tax for the mortal wounds again. But I actually like them best in OBR. Um, I play OBR, I have OBR, I'm not as excited about that book as I am with Soul Blight, but um. You know, every time I looked at uh, at the list, I thought, "Where's the body? Where are the bodies?" And um, the easiest solution was for one hundred and seventy 170 five, one hundred and seventy points, getting that regiment of renown of just twenty zombies, one corpse cart. Sure, can get picked out. It's a character now, though, and boom, it's got. Uh, they both have a five aboard if they're within range of each other. So that's helpful
0: it's not bad considering and i'm sure someone's about to um actually be in the in the comments like oh, <laughs> OB, o, obr have now allies yes these are mercenaries these are regiments of renown they're different that's how you can get around it so but it's a it's a good shout it's a really good shout um but okay so zombies changed a little bit um is there anything that maybe wasn't very good in the old book that you think has had a little glow up. Like for me, for example, the humble skeleton, a humble skeleton when I read that war scroll and I saw some of the changes, I'm like, yes, please. Oh,
1: so good. Yeah. Um, I initially looking at the book, I was not happy to see that both skeletons and grave got their, um, Got their attacks switched around. They used to be threes to hit, and then they're four, and they were fours to wound. Now it's the opposite. It's fours to hit and threes to wound. But in the grand scheme of things, as long as you don't get roared or you have some other buff on top of you, you should be perfectly fine with hitting on threes. And frankly, if you're not hitting on threes, you should have some other buff that we can get into again later that allows you to almost have like a mitigation of those four, uh, uh, fours to hit, like uh, get extra attacks, if you will. Um, I think that. Skeletons definitely got a glow up uh, because now they can get rend and their regrow is more than just from the things that died that phase. I think that's incredibly helpful. Um, but I also think uh, Black Knights got a big glow up, uh, big, big, big glow up. Um, mm. And then I think that the some of the lesser generic heroes got a glow up. And when I say lesser ge- generic, I'm really just talking about both White Kings. Um, and then the biggest... Um, biggest one for me is actually more of a flavor choice um i've always enjoyed the vingorian lord um i never liked the model per se so i've always like converted and stuff like that and i'm a little i'm a little fiend i'm a little goblin for getting like old school models so if you ever remember if you, if you ever played warhammer fantasy the zacharias the ever living model the um Ooh, you know the, the yes. dragon it's a zombie the, dragon
0: the, the nick the the, the Nickrock um vampire
1: it fits on a it fits on a Vingorian base perfectly. Um, if you buy it from the Age of Sigmar days, it comes with the appropriate base. Um, and I swapped Zacharias. I uh, custom built a uh, a saddle, and I put a Blood Knight, um, an old yeah Blood Dragon vampire lord on top with a pike, and that's been my Vingorian lord. He's been collecting dust. And the Vingorian lord, in my opinion, got a gigantic glow up uh, with more consistent attacks, less. Um, randomness with not being able to do anything for like bloodlust or whatever uh i think that that thing got a giant glow up
0: yeah I, I would agree um that that to me like the minute i saw both is it luke and the van gorean lord mm-hmm. lost their lost that ability like in the hero phase you roll the dice they go crazy and they can mm-hmm. run and charge but they can't use certain things that consistency is a tournament player chef's kiss i absolutely love it um, but it wasn't all like sunshine and rainbows, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Manfred, Manfred lost these little teleport shenanigans. He can't yeet out of combat. Um, like there's so many little micro changes and the way the white king kind of interacts. Um, uh, like I mentioned, you know, those little minor heroes like Torvis and, uh, Gorslav. I'm like, Ooh, I'm now kind of interested in those. Like they never really interested me in the past. Now they've caught my attention.
1: Yeah, they, they they each have gotten very unique. I'll say, um, and I'm familiarizing myself with Manfred again. Uh, Manfred didn't necessarily get like a debuff. He just lost his like very explicit kind of benefit of of being able to dip out whenever he wanted. Um being able to do an out-of-sequence like charge and being in Legion of Knight is super duper helpful. Um he got extra attacks for his sword, and I believe for his glaive as well. Um, but I'm double-checking that right now. Um,
0: but, he did, but he did lose his command ability. It used to give you plus one to hit and plus one to wound aura. So
1: That's true. He did lose that, which is really, really unfortunate. And it was just one extra attack with his sword. Um, but he gets the War Master ability, which is really, really helpful. Um, and FYI, though, unlike OBR, um, which uh, have two, three War Masters, two of which are faction-specific, uh, none of the war masters in soullight Gravelords are faction specific. Granted, they're not going to be nearly as useful if they're not in their own sub faction but none of them are faction specific. Um, the sort of unholy power I think has a lot more very explicit verbiage which I enjoy. Um, and the fact that he has uh, he can give strike first or he has strike first when he makes a charge, I think kind of makes up for the dip in combat because mm-hmm. uh, I mean if he gets alpha he gets alpha. But uh, I think it's more of a lateral move than it is him getting nerfed. I think it's just we were looking, we're looking at him, and he was, you know, blue, and now he's orange.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not saying Manfred got nerfed. I'm saying yeah. he got changed. So sure. And like, <laughs> but you, but you make a good point. And the fact is that, like, yeah, he might have changed, but he's still viable. I think is what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. Yeah. I'm going to ask a question that came from Discord, and then I'm going to bring up the rules because we are getting into the weeds, which is what I wanted anyway. Um, and I want to get your kind of your opinion and your thoughts around uh, the different rules. But a question that came up from Discord, which I thought was a really good one, coming from a guy called, uh, well, person called the apologist saying, <laughs> "What are the arc? What are the archetypes you think have the longest longevity in the new book?"
1: Uh, recursion, um, you know, being able to have an a, being able to be that person where you're going to be able to get hit and be able to take a punch and get right back up. That's the mechanic that's always existed. And um, that's, that archetype is further reinforced in this new book because um, even in 1.0, uh, now granted half of 1.0, no death army had a book, but when legions in the gash came out um, you recycled at the end of the movement phase. Um, you could still make a charge and now you can't, but you could do that. And then with this new, with a lit, the book before this, you know it was the end of the turn, so they're bringing a lot of things back into line with the a very, very, very first book that wasn't actually called "Sold by Gravelords," but for all all intents and purposes, it was. Um, so they have been able to kind of like keep this very, very, very consistent theme, um, and they've changed it in a few ways. I mean, I was a little disappointed to see that uh, the generic spell that every caster knew. Um, which was de- Deathly invocation to just bring you know three models back to a unit that's gone. But now um, the Deathly invigoration of just bringing things back in the hero phase is a flat three, and if it's near if the unit's near gravesite, it's plus one, and if you're near a uh, mortis engine, which is good, <laughs> I think it's good. It's not situ- shouldn't spam them. I don't think, but they're incredibly good. Um, uh, uh, if you're near that as well then you bring uh, seven models back, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And if you really want to bring back models as well, obviously we'll talk about Nagash and I will get your opinion on Nagash in due time because mm-hmm. he yeah. did get a. I, I I will say he got a glow up on his war scroll, but he also got a glow up in the point. So we'll talk a bit about later what yeah. your thoughts are with Nagash. Is it worth it? What would you need if it wasn't worth it? Um, there's a lot of really cool changes. And I think Blight Gravelords is a list builder's dream. It's like a really nice delight because you can do so many things. And look, whether you want to run Blood Knights, whether you run zombies, Skeletons, what, uh, you want to run Black Knights, there's something in here for you. And look, when we talk competitive, there's going to be some optimum choices. But if you do want to run some type of list, I feel like you could, you know, th- there is a bill for everyone. Unless you like shooting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Then then there's not much you can do there. There's some random shooting, but not much.
0: Yeah. No. Although, although some people, I remember seeing some rumors like, oh, they're going to get skeleton crossbows. Yeah, that didn't happen. Literally never
1: going to happen. Never going to happen.
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But in fairness, like, look at those Nighthawk crossbows. Like, maybe you don't want them.
1: Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Oh, All right, boy.
0: so 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 we'll skip the cursed legions, uh, the the cursed bloodlines, because we'll get to the proper rules uh, down the track. But when you look at the sub the the allegiance abilities, you have got the endless legions, the unquiet dead, deathly invocation, and deathless minions. As an experienced player, what do you see? How do you think about this for your list construction? Like, talk to me. I assume everyone's read the book or they've at least listened to me, read the book to them. Um, what does this all mean to you? Is there stuff here you build around?
1: So this is actually really great that you bring this up because uh, I was actually in your servers, uh, in your channel um, yesterday, uh, kind of answering a very similar question um, in a different channel. I, I play corn too. Um, and uh, someone was asking me questions about a list and um I, I just kind of come down, came down and said, you know, everything needs to have a purpose. When you build a list, um, you need to go, okay, why is this unit in that list? Um, is it a meme list? Because I have written the list that has, uh, you know, 12 court, uh, night guard, the, the zombie ogres. I've done it. It's, it's looks fun. It's dumb, but warmer is dumb. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you really, really need to have an idea of what you're going to bring in your list, uh, especially if you're just starting out in the game. Like, I think that everything needs to have a tool um, or a purpose, rather. Uh, With these allegiance abilities, I mean, this all just goes fully into it. Kind of very smoothly blends into the faction um you know i had mentioned deathly invocation just a moment ago but just the fact that you can just rec- uh you know bring more models back to units and it's consistent it's not d3 anymore really really um helps benefit the idea of bringing summonable units on the table and like you mentioned earlier since there are summonable heroes now um you could heal three wounds on a summonable hero you know you could bring uh, two units uh, you, two graveguard units can get three graveguard back and that one wound white king is now a four wound white king. like that's pretty helpful. Um, the unquiet dead uh, is is you know very consistent as well. really, there haven't been a lot of changes there's just minor tweaks. I would say the biggest change in all the allegiance abilities is the fact that deathless minions is now a flat six up save, which we all knew were was coming after seeing. The White Dwarf update for Effect and Night Haunt's Battle Tome. You know, we knew that death armies were probably leaning in this direction of not being wholly within a hero. So it does make things be a little bit more of an independent agent um, if they need to, rather than the traditional way of playing death armies, even all the way back in Warhammer Fantasy, of just like hugging and clinging to your heroes. You don't have to do that if you don't want to or need to.
0: All right. So let, let me ask you some follow up questions. So, Deathless sure. means, right? The old Deathless Minions, you ha- it was based around an aura from heroes. Now it's just every grave- Soul like Grave Lord's unit has a six-up ward. Yeah, has that changed the amount of heroes, um, the way that you use the army? Does does that change alone? Because um, I will go to Deathly Invocation in a second, but does that does that change anything at all?
1: Not much. I'll be honest. It just gives you the ability. It, it doesn't really interact with the heroes as much as it just interacts with the other things, you know? So now if you have, again, Night Guard or, or I mean, Night Guard actually don't care either way. They have a 5 foot ward. But if you have um Fear Ghost Bloodborne or if you have um, like maybe Black Knights uh, or zombie dogs that need to go out of reach, they need to maybe tie something up, um, you're not taking a big risk um, or if something is like a unit of skeletons, for example, if they're hitting the, if they're on their home objective while everything else, all of your hammers are going into your opponent's front line and you know that there's maybe a couple of deep strikers that are nearby. You don't have to worry about being holding near uh, a grave site or holding near a hero to benefit from the six up You just know you're going to have it now. So it gives you a little bit more ease of play. Um, and that kind of fire and forget, well, it's not going to be a fire forget, but, Come, you know, going from one book to the other, I think it's going to be a big relief for players not having to worry about that.
0: You won't need to rely on power pairs just to keep deathless uh, minions or any other. But it doesn't mean that you throw away all your heroes because with Deathly Unification, no. you need at least three. So I guess, well, you don't need three, but um, each hero phase, you can pick three you saw Black Gravelord summonable units within like blah, 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 blah. blah when you look at Deathly Invocation and knowing that Invigorating Aura has changed, um, do you like to take a lot of small heroes? Do you go for a couple of big heroes? Like what's your thinking around Deathly Invocation and how you try to maximize that particular ability?
1: Uh, Well, you know, this, unfortunately, uh, in the next few months with the new season, things are going to change, of course. Um, Right now, um, you know, time-stamped. <laughs> I would usually only bring maybe one, maybe two Galatian champions um, to try to benefit from maybe backline abilities while you have some more heavy hitter um, um, heroes a little bit more in the front. Um, but the fact that you can have... I, I would only really have one or two small small heroes unless you're playing Fear coast for a very, very specific reason. But uh, for the most part, I think that you're usually most armies in, 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 in AOS are going to have anywhere between eight to 12 units. So, you know, when you think about how many heroes, how many things can be affected, not very many, especially when you have very large, like, you know, if you have a zombie, if you have a zombie dragon, that alone is going to mean that like, you're not going to have 14 units. You shouldn't at least. Um, And so you have maybe three or four heroes in your list. I think you're fine um you know the previous book i i really don't think it's unchanged uh when it comes to that because i'm thinking of my list from before and i had around you know no more no less than three no more than maybe five five heroes i generally ran around three to four in my previous list so i don't think it's that much of a change
0: yeah like i guess there's a couple of things like and obviously this is where the archetype and the builds are going to change like for example if i run a zombie heavy list i'm going to need keeping 60 zombies wholly within 12 can be difficult so i might have a hero following you know if i'm throwing grave guard up you might have the vampire lord or the white king um but what i'm hearing is that you still want to have a couple of heroes um you don't want to lean in necessarily to all the heroes. Um, because you still need the troops.
1: Yeah, but I will say, um, and this is something that you broached the subject a little earlier, um, there are abilities on heroes that still require range and are still going to be really important, whether it's a spell, whether it's, um, you know, the Graveguard, uh, you know, the two white kings, one of them is just, uh, you know, pick a unit and they have a Graveguard unit exploding sixes to hit. They got to be holy within 12 to do that in the hero phase. Or you have to be holy within 12 of a white king for fellow black knights to not only get re-roll charges, but also do fours to more, roll four ups for mortal wound impact hits rather than five ups, which by the way is fantastic. Just chef's kiss. That, that unit, that combo, that's a wombo combo. That is very good.
0: I was so happy to see the black knights get a glow up and then a reason to take the, the uh white king on steed because I'm like, yes, this is the power pair that I've been waiting for.
1: Oh yeah. And the fact that you can just keep them both in the grave, be nine inches away and get those reroll charges is is very sexy. Um it's fun.
0: Speaking of the grave, nothing really changed with the grave sites. Is there anything that you would like you mentioned the black knights being from the grave sites. Is there any other interesting interactions you've noticed that I'm just trying to think, has anything been added to the army that would now encourage you to start them in the grave site as opposed to on the table? I don't think there's any new rules when I'm thinking about it.
1: Well you'd want to do it because of the graveyard's reroll charge ability, but yeah, you wouldn't keep them in the grave. You, you wouldn't keep them on the table. You would put them in the grave because of that reason. Um in my at least in my opinion. Cause then you can do the reroll charges relatively easily. Um, you know uh, being able to re-roll a nine-inch charge is gigantic. It really, really ups your chances of possibly making that charge um, and being able to have multiple threats on the table. If it lists dependent, you could potentially have a really, really big hammer. Let's say your opponent measured, you went straight up to the front of the line and a mission like position over power and you're going right into his face with a couple of things. You can have something come up from a grave site, a grave, I mean, a unit of white, uh, a white king on steed in addition to unit of 10 black knights or two units of five and now you're just really really getting the ability to do a lot of mortal wounds and impact hits and like tag your opponent in their side uh especially if you if they make you go first or if you choose to go first um it's a little bit of a risk but like you know that can also be something you can also do later in the game
0: I went on a little tangent in my head because one of the yeah. the rule one of the rules I absolutely love is the zombie dragon can now come in from reserve not the not the the mounted zombie dragon but the old regular zombie dragon can yes. come in from reserve that was where my mind went to I'm like oh yeah, there's no other yeah. combinations but the bloody zombie dragon I don't know if it's enough for me to take it but I just love mm. the idea
1: You know, I was actually just thinking about that earlier today, and I was talking to my brother about that um, for his Legion of Night list. I was actually talking about um, you know, he wasn't going to be able to possibly fit a zombie dragon and a vampire lord on zombie dragon at the same time, but the deep strike that they get, and the fact that the zombie dragon, the terrorgeist vampire lord on zombie dragon, and uh, Prince Vordry, they all have terrify now, which is great. That was like a a rule that like seraphon have on the carnosaur like now it's just a rule that they you know that zombie dragons get as well not being able to do inspiring presence within three inches is really really big especially if they're in a unit they're fighting against something that won't just immediately die to them um so having the zombie dragon a regular one in either avangori for obvious reasons or either or even legion of night but paired with a vangorian lord to just for free get the hunger ability is really, really useful.
0: I love that. I, I was I yeah. was thinking about it in Avan-Gori. Um Yeah, there's just so, so many cool changes. There's so many cool changes in this book.
1: Yeah. And speaking of Avangori, uh, Vi, she had, it's so funny. She just like, her spell changed from being one type of jank to a different type of jank, right? So like, especially as a corn player, I was bummed to see the, um, you know, the corn demon prints go away with his no, you know, half uh, runs and charges within, like, 18 inches. And then Luka Vi still had that as a spell, but for within 12 inches of her. So I was like, okay, you know, at least Soulblight still have something like that. And then in the new book for Corn, they lost the six-inch pile and six-inch activate, and Luka Vi keeps that for friendly, like, zombie dragons and terror guys near her, or wholly within 24 inches of her, which is just fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. so many cool things. There's so many cool things. Um, one other rule I just want to quickly talk about on this page is sure. the the Endless Legions. And the changes, obviously, there's a couple of changes. The one that I want to call out the most is the summonable hero change. So previously, as you mentioned, um, you could never revive a hero, a summonable hero. So that's your White King. Is it Kritzer? Kritzer's a summonable hero?
1: yeah. Yeah, I think that I get why they did that, but I don't like it. So Kritza used to be um at the end of each movement phase, yours and your opponent's, on a four up, he comes back. Um now he can only ever come back once. And so he's less like a scar blood wrath and he's more just I don't know, a worse white king for slightly less points. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's him, it's it's both white kings, the one on foot, yes. the one that's mounted. And it's critza i don't believe any other uh character no has no i
0: don't oh, think there's
1: oh. any sons of elmorn the Ooh. war cry I'm, I'm sorry the the underworld's white king and his buddies he's got summonable
0: oh oh i think i missed mm. that one i think i missed that one
1: yeah check him out it's actually okay. they're really useful because there's um it's what 220 points for four models in uh, in the gang, uh, the big guy's got four uh, wounds. So it's like eight wounds worth of Graveguard. And then it's a White King that gives a free command point to that gang as well, um, but loses the other White King ability. And it's all wrapped up. So basically, it's a White King plus 85 points of 10, essentially eight guard
0: not not that you needed this confirmation but i'm just looking at the war scroll and yes a thousand percent um the king of uh, volmon does have the summonable keyword so um <laughs> yeah this just just, just want to reconfirm it so that the comment mm-hmm. section didn't go crazy but what are your thoughts on the endless legions in general because you used to come back at the end of the battle shock phase and my poor opponents i've got a guy in my local community tom i play a lot The guy has never rolled the Deathless Legion in his life (laughs) against me. But now it seems that it's improved. It's easier to bring back. Um, And it's happening in the movement phase, not in the battle shock phase, which I thought was a big win.
1: Yeah, um, I I do agree that it is a pretty big win that is kind of in the middle of the turn. It really makes your opponent think. Um, because it's not the end of the turn, you guys aren't scoring points, and it's going to about to be, you know, a roll for priority, or it's about to be the other player's turn. You guys know, you know, it's it's kind of like more of a disrupt a disruption for your uh, opponent, maybe um, morally on the other side of the table. But um, I don't really like the fact that they can't charge and they basically can't do anything. They're just there. They exist. Nothing else when they come onto the table like that. Um, which is unfortunate, but I understand why. There's only so many things you can do without, you know, pushing the boundary of being a little too strong. Um, so they they played it really, really safe with this. Games Workshop did, which is fine. Um, but I do like the idea that things are easier to to come back. Um, you know, a f- three up in your turn, basically a four up in your opponent's turn for normal units. Otherwise, it's a four up and a five up for these characters um and the verbiage of recycling things is a lot more explicit because there used to be a lot of hubbub about you know if a zombie if a zombie unit dies and they come back from the gravesite can korslov also bring a unit in you know and now there's just no like no questions no kind of to like i have i have a question here it's just very very plain which i really appreciate game for truck's been doing
0: it's because It used to be like on a five up. Then with these conditions, it would go down to like, and obviously in the right, in the right com- combination, you could get it to like two or three. Um, sure. But yeah. now, but now it's just flat four, obviously plus one, um, which is great.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think that overall it is going to be more consistent. Um, especially if you start losing things in the first turns, like if you get outfitted really hard, you're probably going to get some units back, and your opponents, if they're if they've alphaed you, they probably aren't controlling the objectives that you can plop your guys on top of. So, um, super duper helpful.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else you talk about with the allegiance abilities?
1: Um. Well, I guess one more thing uh, with with Endless Legions, there is a really, really, really big change too with that, with the fact that um, not only in the previous book you could only set up units from Endless Legions wholly within 12 of a gravesite. Um, in the pr- book before that, again, going with that theme, what's old is new again, um, you could bring it in from a gravesite or you could bring it in from a hero. And being able to have that flexibility is incredibly powerful, I think. you know Because now, um, especially since there's a grand strategy that becomes very, very, very kind of, the one to pick for soul blight. your opponents usually if they have the ability to to do so, they're gonna to try to swarm your grave sites um, not only for to prevent your grand strategy, but to also prevent your recursion. Now you don't have to worry about that as long as you aren't like completely getting decimated and you still have heroes.
0: Assuming you're not being decimated, there should always be somewhere that you can bring back bodies. Um, exactly. exactly. And, and when you go to like putting down your four grave sites, keep that in mind, have like an emergency grave site where at worst case scenario, you're going to be able to bring something back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Actually, yeah. speaking of that, how do you like to place your grave sites? Do you have a, like a rough, rough thought? Uh, obviously every battle and every mission and every opponent is going to be different, but do you have like a rough recommendation for someone getting started with putting down their grave sites?
1: Yeah. Um, the Easiest way I would explain it is to try to be where the objectives are not. Um, You know, if you kind of, let's say the, um, let's say the objectives are, if you see the triangle here, let's say the, the, oh boy, uh, you know what, imagine the two objectives, uh, let's say I'm the center of the board (laughs) and uh, there's one objective here, there's one objective here and there's two on the sides, right? You're going to want to put yours like a square to the diamond, you know, or vice versa, um I think that's the easiest course of action to have good spread and usually of course that might change depending on what um uh what the territories look like since you have to put two in your territory but uh there are some games where you know you might know the matchup you might know the player and you might want to be like, cool, I'm gonna put one like right in the middle of their deployment zone and i know I know that person and I know that they're gonna babysit that uh, gravesite now because they don't want they don't want the the feel <laughs> they don't want the the bad touch you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of good uh, strategy involved with Gravesites, but generally I do like to play it pretty evenly unless I know who I'm playing.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll always think about not necessarily the point, but the 12-inch aura to make sure that I try to be able to bring back bodies, and when I do bring back bodies, I'm maximizing how many I can bring back as opposed to my opponent screened half of the Gravesite and I can only bring back half a unit or... I just flat out can't bring it back.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I would never recommend putting a uh, gravesite too close to a board edge for that same reason. You want as much spread as possible for, you know, essentially, especially if you have, like, those, um, those real thin objective markers, you know, the little plastic ones, the ones that hit the whole side, like... For a soul blight player, a really, really, really good idea to visualize it for themselves. If you have extras and you have your five, four or five objectives on the table and you have extras, pull that out and look across the map and just look at Mm -hmm. it and be like, cool, these are my grave sites. These are the zones, you know?
0: I always like when I deploy, for example, um, I'll get like a nine inch stick or a 12 inch stick, measure it away from the the deployment zone and then like push it out a little further just to make sure I've got a threat. I may not bring it out, but it's always Mm. the threat that I could and my opponent will leave units to screen or they'll leave it open for me to take advantage. So damned if you do, damned if you don't.
1: Yeah, making your opponent think very hard about their moves and their deployments can be very useful for Soulblight.
0: All right. This is a massive book. So I think what we're going to do is a bit, a bit of rapid fire because we will be heat or Christmas, um, and we are <laughs> recording it. We are recording in April. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, um, this is pre-FAQ and errata, so things can change, points can change, rules can change. We're doing our best with what we know if you're listening to us in the future. Spells do you have any favorite spells any ones that have stood out to you or even any combinations like i always take vile transference on my vampire lord and zombie dragon as an example yeah what are your thoughts and because by, by the way not only did you lose spells but mm-hmm. you also changed the uh the nine up rule what was it called the um you know, you uh, the Locus basket. is shyish that's mm-hmm. changed a yep.
1: lot so I really like this. Um, and yeah, the locus of Shias just went away. Instead of that even existing, there's just explicit things that happen on each spell, as we can see here, um, that you know, when you roll an unmodified nine up, this is what happens, um, which I think is a lot more cut and dry, which I don't mind. I don't mind that. Sometimes I think that that can get a little too, too, uh, like, I don't know, lazy. But I think in this instance, especially with such a massive book, I have no problem at all. Um I really, really like, I've always liked, um, especially with uh, running Mortarks, uh, Fading Vigor, always consistent. Um, and uh, one of my favorite changes with that lore of Death Mage is this Waste Away. Um, there used to be a, a spell called uh, Decrepify, and it only affected enemy heroes. And when I used to run like a Manfred Neferata combo, uh, Manfred would always have Fading Vigor as a chosen spell, Neferata would always have Decrepify. And it was the exact same rule as waste away. Um, But it was hero only. Now you can pick anything you want to get uh, hit with waste away, which is minus one to wound and minus one to damage. Um, Now, unfortunately, you can't double up on the same unit like you could before. There was a time where I fought against a Suns player and there was a Gatebreaker running up to me and you know i double fading vigored and double waste away or double decrepify at the time uh the thing and i just I, at that point i just felt safe to just charge it with anything you know because at that point the uh with the neferata combo that that gate was minus one to hit minus one to wound minus two damage and minus two attacks i was like oh i'm totally okay with like 10 zombies charging this thing and that's it um but uh yeah really really like waste away um vile transference I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i never ever ran that in a, pre- in a previously but now that like the hunger is a little bit of a sexier role for vampires but it caps at six uh, vile transference is a lot more tasty for me as a choice um and on top of that uh, spirit gale Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Spirit Gale, which was never one that I really liked at all in the previous book. Uh, now that it's a board wide, it used to be just all enemy units within 12 inches take a mortal wound. Now it's just board wide, take a mortal wound. And if you roll a nine up take two, that is massive, especially against buff characters. You know, nothing can hide from that. And I think that that is so strong um you know imagine new seraphon right um with Slon, with with new croak things like that it's like cool well now not only is the slon taking a mortal wound that he's gonna have to pass it on to the source guard but now the source guard is taking a mortal wound as well and if it's two mortal wounds each source guard potentially taking four mortal wounds instead like just these body it help. it it's good against bodyguard mechanics it's good against buff characters it's good against everything
0: have you noticed the difference with your spell choices? Because you used to have six in each of the spell laws, mm-hmm. and I've forgotten some of the ones you used to have. I know, like, Decrepify was one I always used to run. Is it, over, is it over, Overwhelming Dread? Overwhelming dread? dread. There was, yeah, there's a couple of spells that would always be the foundational ones that I took, but I noticed it's like, that's gone, that's gone, that's gone. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed, like, that impact in your in your latest games?
1: No. <laughs> um I almost don't even you know I almost didn't remember them until this conversation I had to think about them again. Um it it is so helpful the uh, that the Laura va- Vampire's actually has useful abilities that I've not needed to or I've, I haven't even thought of doing um some of the previous spells. Um, the one that I think personally I would as I play more games probably miss would be um uh, Amaranthine pinions which is just add six inches to the uh, move of a friendly vampire Uh, to make a vampire Lord go from six inches to 12 inches of the fly. That was always helpful. Um, And to make a zombie dragon be a 20 inch move instead, always helpful. Granted, if you're playing if you're playing Legion of blood and you know, you know what the priority might look like, you're not really going to care about that anyways in most missions. But um, yeah, that's probably the only one I'm going to think about
0: you had to like top three the spells here in mm-hmm. both, 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 both laws, obviously there's only three on each. What are your favorite three?
1: Oh yeah. That's super easy. Uh, Spirit Gale, Waste Away, Fading Vigor. Um, in order, I would say Spirit Gale, number three, Fading Vigor at number two and Waste Away at number one.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Although prison, prison of grief is singing to me, being able to make an opponent strike last that's just singing to me.
1: Yeah. No, no. I, I totally agree. So that's actually my favorite thing is the fact that all of them are useful now. You know, there was one where you would like, I, I think Prison of Grief used to be like you would grasp a piece of terrain and like on a five up your opponent couldn't do anything near the piece of terrain. It was, so was like, was, was, just it half, ne-
0: was it half movement or something? I, I remember you're right. There was something yeah. weird and I couldn't remember the interaction. It was too, too complicated to set up
1: yeah and it was just kind of lame so now they just basically just um they've condensed things they've they've concentrated the spell lore and they have just made all of them useful um but i think it just depends on how you want to run uh your list and kind of like what your expectations are on the spells you're going to cast and quite frankly who's going to cast them because there are incredibly strong war scroll spells too that like you need to take into account and then especially on like an explicit hammer unit like um in Legion of Blood, a Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon, or even possibly a Vangorian Lord, being able to choose flaming weapons can be a huge boon instead. So,
0: before we move off spells, I do want to talk about a spell that significantly changed, but it's not a part of this list. I
1: know where you're going with this one. Which one? Is it Van Hels?
0: Yeah, yeah, Van Hels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a line in the sand. I love new Van Hales. Being able to fight in the hero phase as opposed to twice in the combat phase, to me, was awesome. As a daughter, as a cane player who knows the value of fighting in a hero phase, getting out of all that, all that defenses and particular buffs and being able to stop opponents, I love it. What's your take?
1: Oh, exactly. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I, I don't have it in front of me right now. Is it still casting value six?
0: Uh, keep keep going. And, I'll, I'll I'll go find it. Okay. But, I wouldn't um, be shocked
1: I, if I, it was casting value seven now or something due to due to the uh, nature of the change. Six, not not six,
0: six. No, it's a uh, casting value of six, range eighteen. Um, Fantastic,
1: yeah. I I love that one. I think it's super helpful. I mean, before it was kind of like a um, oh, if I have a necromancer, then maybe my grave card get to activate twice if they don't just get nuked by the thing that they've already. They either it, it would almost never matter because if I had a necromancer, which was a big f. Um, I either deleted the things I hit so I didn't have to worry and there was no second uh, second activation or I wouldn't hit very hard or I kind of like uh, my, my eyes were too big for my stomach and then all of a sudden they respond back to me and they just wipe that unit or severely disable it and so my second activation either doesn't happen or doesn't matter so yeah being able to um, have the ability to just immediately attacking the hero phase, especially now that I've got like corn wraps under my belt. Holy crap. Like with soul blight, that is so good. Whether it's grave guard or even just the ability to do extra pylons with, with a uh, dire wolves uh, with that can be like the possibilities are pretty much endless.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause it's just summonable. So obviously your zombies, your dire wolves, your um, grave guard, your skellies, your black Knights. Your white uh, Kings. Your oh, white and King, yeah.
1: the Virkos watch captain guy is also summonable. I did check him here earlier. Yeah, yeah.
0: Sick. The sick. skeleton. So, I'm a big yeah. fan. I'm a big fan. Of the new Necro. Um, He's so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Thanks for entertaining me on that one. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's a big, I, I thought that was a big change because it was like a, everyone runs Van Hales. Everyone loves running a little Necromancer with hat. Um, now you got a whole bunch of allegiance abilities between the different cursed bloodlines or whatever it was. Um, mm. Without going into the weeds of it all, sure. What's your What's your thoughts on Legion of Blood?
1: Oh, just at a very is, high level. Yeah. So you know, you know, who uh, you know, one of my good friends, Jeremy. He plays a lot of the armies I play nowadays, and uh, you know, he loves his Legion of Blood. And in the previous book, he was big Legion of blood stand. And I was kind of like, I get it. I see it. You know, that's valid. I like Virkos and I still do. I still really like it, whether it's the aesthetic, whether it's the the rules, um, big, 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 big fan. But now uh, they got me playing Legion of blood because these abilities, these rules, which again, like you said, you know, we don't have to go through because they're right here. They are so, so useful. Like, just the unparalleled expertise is just to me a cooler radder version of like the equivalent that like ogres get you know so like if the hero's not in combat he's a good cat they're they're consistent caster if they're in combat then they're way scarier in combat now you know being able to make a zombie dragon you know four attacks at the lance uh four attacks at the maw and eight attacks for the claws like oh so good like you know, or the Vangorian Lord having four attacks with his uh, Gordren's talent, which, by the way, got a like 200% glow up compared to the previous version of that weapon. Like, there's just so much usefulness in this army.
0: Yeah. And, and, the, and anyone who saw the White Dwarf where this got introduced, you had to choose whether they got one or the other. Now you get both, which is brilliant. Really? Yeah. So, so when White Dwarf brought in the Legion of Blood ability, this, this particular unparalleled expertise, yeah. you had to pick, you had to pick whether your vampire mm. was, uh, empowered or, blo- yeah. So, so, but, and obviously if, if you were on foot, you get like two. And if you were on a vampire, on, on you're right. Dragons, no, yeah.
1: one. I don't know why I forgot about that. That was in the previous book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it, it's, mm. it's a great little ability. Um, Maybe, maybe before I get your favorite command traits and artifacts, um, do you think I have to run Neferata in a Legion of Blood army? Like, is that like a, a must auto include, or can I run a list without her?
1: Yeah, you should be considering your army list at 1,610 points um, because you're going to want to add Neferata always. Um, you know, the usefulness that she, gets, she gives you in the list is massive. Um again, she's a vampire hero, so she benefits from unparall- unparalleled expertise, and she's a level two caster. Um, and she has, especially if you don't have any necromancers in your list, she is your consistent Laura Death Mage caster. Um, I I can tell you, even at that um all of last like ITC season and stuff like that, being able to uh use my command points and then have n- like Immediately was useful, but also like I would almost never have command points throughout the actual round because I would almost always, especially with Neferata and Manfred together, you know, use both their command abilities and have their auras. Now Neferata's aura is just an aura, right? Like, boom, don't even have to worry. Um, Her D6 heal instead of D3 became one of the most insane rules I think I've ever read in Age of Sigmar. So or since like 1.0, where whoever had the longest beard, you know, got a benefit, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, Neferata's Legion or um, uh, Mortarka blood ability is incredibly powerful, uh, mission dependent, of course, uh, and I really, really think that it's going to be something that you're going to see a lot of people play, um, but it's going to be something where I can see you have to think about it because if you aren't like a one-drop list, then you might suffer from it. Um, I personally don't think you should be a one-drop list in this army, but um, there's just so much usefulness, especially compared to um, or when you look at Neferata and all the rest of the battle traits. It's just yeah, I'm rambling, but
0: very no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm 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 a massive fan of neferada I think and yeah, like the her bubble now doesn't cost a command point. But speaking of command points, you look at that Immortal um, uh, Majesty, and when you use this heroic action, making your opponent spend two command points to issue all that defense and Inspiring Presence, that's brutal. And then, as you mentioned earlier, some of your units now having the new Terror ability, forcing opponents to not be able to use Inspiring Presence in general, so they, they can't use all that defense or spending extra resources And then they run away if uh if they they can't use inspiring presence so Mm -hmm. i love it i love
1: it it's so useful and you got to also remember that like neferata could get pre uh, premeditated bloodshed so you know she um she got i think an extra attack on her or she's going to get an extra attack with all of her attacks in combat and then on top of that they're going to be plus one or i mean they're going to ignore ward saves that is going to be massive like just straight up very strong
0: If i was going to run a legion of blood army what would be your favorite command trait and uh artifact if any maybe you go universal artifacts but do you have a favorite um command trait and artifact from from blood
1: uh good question i mean i think that they're all useful but when it when i can when it comes down to it some of them are going to be irrelevant against other armies um, and that I always think of sons, right? Like a good kind of litmus test for um, how well you can do at a tournament is like, can you beat a gatebreaker army? I mean, I, I, I mean, a, a gatekeeper army, <laughs> which might be all gatebreakers, um, you know? So uh, being able to think about like an army that can like be uh, a kingmaker, like, like suns um, at a tournament, being able to like beat something like that can be really helpful. Um, so that being said, uh, my favorite is Doom Minions, but I know that if I go up against a Suns player, it's going to be completely irrelevant if they don't have baby uh, Gargants, because you can't pick a... Oh no, it is going to be re- irrelevant across the board, because you can't pick a hero, you can't pick a monster. Um, so that's fine, but in almost any other matchup, you're going to have a lot of success, besides maybe Lord spam, like Boulderhead. Um, it might not be as helpful. But for me, the grand scheme of things, Dune minions just seems like such a powerful trait for you know everything from your zombie dragon with the fours to hit on the mount um, uh, or Graveguard with fours to hit normally or even skeletons like before. Just them all hitting on twos against something. Incredibly helpful. Um, but I could also see a lot of play with Tailored Downfall. Um, I think that that could be really, really useful too. But it all requires you to have a very mobile very hard to kill uh, general, which like further reinforces the idea of bringing something like a Vingorian Lord or a zombie dragon who have, you know, who are monsters, who have good saves, who are fast, and who can stay in combat.
0: Yeah. If I'm taking a legion of blood army, I'm never just leaving home with Nephi. I do want to have some type of monster hero that goes in parallel, like the vampire mm-hmm. line, zombie dragon, like the Vingorian Lord, um, mm-hmm. I think to to your point, if I'm going to a tournament, uh the tailored downfall is probably the one that'll get you the most value. Everyone has that killy hero. Um, while as you said, like game hunter or Doom minions, you run the risk of um the gauntlet of going up against armies that don't meet the criteria.
1: Yeah. And and no, you're totally right. Like I personally would run doom minions, but also like I can play without a command trait and I sh- and I could be fine. You know, for uh, there could be situations where um, a command trait can be very very important for somebody. And so um, Taylor downfall, I think, is probably my my second favorite. Um, I just like before, just like the spell lords, I like them all. And it's like a problem where I got to choose the favorite of the ones I already like.
0: What about the artifacts?
1: Oh, dude. Um, because of the fact that you need uh, a hammer, like general, you personally, you gotta pick the Cloak of mist of Shadows. Um, having a 3-up uh, Ignoring Ward saves, it uh, frees up Neferata from having to cast her spell, uh, her War Scroll spell of Ignore Modifiers, or Ignore Negative Modifiers for save, um, but it just allows you to be a lot more safe with your zombie Mm -hmm. dragon or your vangorian lord or hell even your white king if you choose to make it that instead so just having that three up save that can't be rendered or i mean can't be modified um sure they can still mortal wound you off the table but if they're doing that to you to your zombie dragon they're not doing it to your you know 10 black knights or your 40 grave guard or neferata
0: what about the amulet of screams i like it a lot That to me is like, it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. I get plus one to my casting, dispelling, and unbinding if my vampire is empowered. But if you do get your spell off on a three plus, you take D3 wounds. And for a five wound idiot that's casting spells, maybe I don't cast that spell. Maybe I don't risk the the, Mm -hmm. the wounds. In addition to what you mentioned earlier about the spell law, about I can't remember what spell it was, doing one or two mortal wounds to everyone on the board. So you're chipping away, and that five-word idiot's dead.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, it's really funny that you bring this up. I've actually been thinking about this the last few days. Um, It's becoming more and more dangerous to be caster heavy armies nowadays between corn and even OBR's uh, ability of, um, uh, like, not really caring with Null Myriad, just a two-up to ignore spells, like, just massive. And then now there's, like, abilities like this and one in... Uh, Coast as well there's just so much consistency of being like cool you're a caster that sucks um i really really do like that one um the only one that i don't like is the orb of enchantment just because it is swingy. like you're going to roll that one or two in a game and you're going to be so disappointed um but i do think the amulet of screams is good and if you have a warlord battalion or if you have a command entourage and you choose your second artifact if you choose an artifact instead. You just go for that. Yeah.
0: Bingo. Cloak of Mists and Shadows is my first artifact. Amulet of Screams would be the second. Agreed. Mm-hmm.
1: I could easily see this with um, another unit that I think got a glow up, which is the Coven Throne, because it it got back its spell that kills a hero, can kill a hero, and then gives you a Vampire Lord. <laughs> so, like that with that with the Amulet of Screams would be very fun.
0: That's very cool. Imagine that. Then you kill um, you kill a hero, becomes a little vampire. Like, yeah, what a, what a great so investment. <laughs> um, so,
1: yeah.
0: and we're we're going to talk a little bit later as well about Legion of Blood because one of the ale- one of the lists um is submitted was a Legion of Blood. Um, yep. Le- Legion of Night. So this one, uh, this one's a little different. It's a little bit different to to Legion of Blood. What What's your taking of take on Legion of Night? And maybe in a similar question. Do I have to take Manfred?
1: That's a good question. Um, I I always like running a War Master. I always like having two generals. Um, I feel like every other book in this, uh, for the last like six months, I feel like every other book is either CP dependent or not CP dependent. And I get the feeling like Soulblight is not CP dependent overall, um, since a lot of abilities just got kind of like, Absorbed into just war scroll abilities instead, like we talked about with Neferata. So, I don't necessarily think you need to bring Manfred, but if I were to bring a night, uh, Legion to Knight List, I, I would have Manfred. Um, being able to utilize his uh, extra abilities for the Mortark of Knight in addition to um, uh, Ageless Cunning can be really really helpful. I mean, he's got three up save he's got 14 wounds now he got, he got two extra wounds um and extra attacks for his sword like he's an and extra rend i think for his um uh, polearm so being able to do that and um still ignore the first wound taken um i could see him being incredibly strong especially if you don't have a second punchy hero mm.
0: What are your thoughts on the battle traits, right? Because you've got a heroic action, you've got yourself a monstrous rampage. I wasn't a big fan of the monstrous rampage. I'm like, eh, it's all right. I'm like, I mean, P- pestilential breath and death streak are they're not the greatest. And is it oh. death sh- pestilential breath got worse? Like it's got now so much
1: better. Oh no. <laughs> so so pestilential breath used to be one attack, one shot. Um, you either rolled the hit roll. Which was a three up. Uh threes hit. I think it was twos to wound, um, but degraded. And it was two rent. No, it was three runs. Ren, th- d- Ren three was rent
0: three. It
1: was rent three, d six damage. Uh now it's d six shots and it's twelve inch range instead of eight, like it was before. And it's just threes and threes, so it's consistent, but it's not bad. And it's one rend only, but it's flat three damage. That's really, really good. Cause you could do five shots and then Three go through, and then three or two wound. And if it's not something with a good armor save, you could do quite a bit of damage.
0: What's the what's the rend on it?
1: It's, I think it's only rend one, I believe. Yeah, okay. Um, let me know, yeah.
0: Because uh, I think that was the thing that I noticed. I'm like, look, I I, I always enjoyed... The, I think the role has changed, right? It used to be great to kind of chip a hero or a monster. Now it's much more effective on lower armored saved troops
1: true which which goes back to the nature of what how i at least used it before because before you either rolled on a hit roll of a three up or you rolled a dice and if it was under the number of models in the unit then you automatically hit yeah. um, so you could do one or the other and honestly if it was above if it was seven or more models in the unit i just rolled the dice not even looking at it and be like cool i hit like you know doesn't matter uh so it's it's always been something that's been consistent against hordes Um, as like a potential d3 or d6 mortal wound to me i just see more utility in it where i can actually point out the hero or the monster or something and be like cool that one thing is going to take d6 shots at three damage and that can be pretty scary
0: the the benefit though, and you're right. I, I actually agree with you on that point. I think the benefit here as well is that the pestilential breath on the zombie dragon is rend minus one. If you use the jaws of uh, if into the jaws of death, um, mm-hmm. it's happening in the in the charge phase, so they can't use all that defense. So, so and and because you're snapping more is a range of three inches. It means if you can clear some of the screen, you might be able to use the range to get a juicier target.
1: Oh yeah. No, I agree. I think that that's super helpful. Um, and the fact that it gives you the ability to do one or the other, cause it gives you just not only the, the breath, but it gives you the death streak can be useful. So you can really just kind of play to your flavor. Um, I would personally probably play to the zombie dragon flavor, but, um, it could also be useful for a vampire Lord on zombie dragon, you know, it's, or you know what? Nope. Uh, I think vampire lord on zombie dragon is just zombie dragon keyword, anyways, right? So, yeah,
0: uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this is for both regular zombie, zombie dragons and yep. vampire lord on zombie dragon. I'm just putting up the. They rule. are a zombie
1: or... dragon keyword as well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that can be incredibly helpful um, if you do bring that. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that that's a really, really, really useful ability, um, especially when you combine it with, you know, things like. Uh, uh swift form you know just and then of course ageless cunning which is just always 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 going to be useful i am a big 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 fan of out of sequence anything now yeah so yeah like the moment i saw that i was like cool that's awesome like death armies can now especially this and mortis praetorians it's like cool now we just have uh, iron son's ability suddenly like that's cool
0: What's your thoughts on swift form being able to pick two friendly, uh, vampire heroes more than three inches and basically do, do your little teleport, um, around the board.
1: Yeah. Uh, for this season, you don't need tunnel master. Uh, if you have a vampire Lord on foot, you can just do that. Um, especially since it's not required for a dice roll, you just do it instead. Um, you know, and it says that you can't move, but it doesn't say you can't charge. So that's still pretty fun. Um, I think that, you have a lot of uh, ability and you have there's a lot of synergy there with legion of knights just other me, uh, core mechanics and the fact that you know you still aren't taking into account yet the uh gravesite mechanic or the two unit or um you know the two units that are conditional battle line like bats and vargeist and vargeist do get just a natural kind of deep strike a teleport onto the mm-hmm. table anyways so there's a lot of like usefulness with legion of knight and swift form
0: okay how would you use with form
1: uh primarily i would just use it instead of tunnel master i would just jump on objectives um and the fact that it's a vampire hero but it doesn't uh it doesn't specify um uh, vampire relation champion or something like that so you could t- pick two units one of which could be just a vampire lord on foot and boom now he's getting he's getting your um uh you know he's doing the um why can't i think of the battle tactic right now um, the um generic that's great. One, the easy desecrate? no not desecrate oh my gosh what is wrong with me right now um doesn't matter it's just the one where a galley vet uh holds an objective outside of your territory um, oh, i've been playing sons i
0: don't care about those battle tactics ah
1: you don't care okay it's, i cannot believe why i'm just like you know going with block I, I, is right it- now
0: uh yeah, yeah oh good someone someone in the chat will remind us like i was gonna like, hey, just
1: kind of even... in like 20 minutes i'm gonna be like cutting maneuver
0: cutting ma- yes cutting it's maneuver.
1: maneuver boom cutting maneuver um i don't know why i couldn't think of that name um so it's just a free cutting maneuver basically without having to worry about uh tunnel master and then yeah if you want to put pressure you could throw manfred and teleport him up the board or you could um you know put a zombie dragon where it needs to be to put pressure even if it doesn't even charge you know you could put it maybe 12 inches away just to make your opponent nervous that you could roll like an 11 or a 12 inch charge and then get into combat. But uh, one of my favorite things about swift form is being able to remove yourself. um, If you know that you're going to get nuked, (laughs) like uh, let's say to your, um, um, you know, let's say you put yourself in a bad position and you doubled and you know, you're not going to be able to get out of something very well. You can then kind of bring yourself back into a way where you're in a safer zone. of course you can't do that when you're in combat but hopefully you're not at that point already
0: yeah that's a Mm -hmm. a really good shout um before i ask you about your command traits and artifacts i just want to point this one out just in case it wasn't explicit um one of the cool things with ageless Cunning's is the ability to be able to deny your opponent battle tactics you know Mm -hmm. they they do they do one where like i'm going to kill x unit and they they um point the finger at a particular unit You're like, cool, I'm going to now counter charge you in your charge phase and stop that unit from dying. Or if it's the one where like your general has to kill something, cool, just tag it with your another unit. The general's not in combat. You've denied their battle tactic. Those out of sequence Mm -hmm. stuff is so good.
1: Oh, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And uh, the cool thing is, it's during your opponent's charge phase. So you could, like, you could do it right after any sort of start of charge phase abilities. You could do it you know, after he's charged, they've charged with everything. And you're like, well, I happen to be over here and you've now put, you know, this one unit or this one hero unprotected. And I just happen to have a unit nearby. I'm going to make that charge. And like, you also have to remember that all soundable units with musicians have a consistent charge roll of six. Um, as long as a musician's alive, like the minimum charge is a six. So there's some consistency there where maybe your opponent, you know, you can tell, especially like, since I've been playing a lot of, Different, like, kind of armies and lists lately. Like, you can tell your opponent what musicians do in a, a summonable unit three, four, five, six times, but like, they're not going to remember until it happens, you know?
0: What's your favorite command trait?
1: Good question. Um, I don't mind uh, above suspicion. Um, being able to have that, especially if you have Manfred as a war master, I think can be pretty, pretty helpful. Um, you know, I think that everything else, there's the possibility of unending will or unbending will being useful, but I think it's situational. Um, and I just don't like the bait, um, cause yeah. that actually used to be a battle trait for Legion yeah. of Knight, And now it's a command ability. I just don't
0: like it. Yeah. So, so was above suspicion though. So, uh, that used to be a, a, a battle trait too. Um, was it? Yeah. It used to be able to, yeah, yeah used to be able to just okay. deep strike them. Like that, that That to me, you're, you're right though. Like the bait is cool, but just turn one. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. maybe if it was like turn one and turn two, but turn one. Yes. It was turn one and nothing.
1: turn two. Easy, easy. Yes. For me. Um, but yeah, just like, and you got to also remember that most of the units you're going to have are going to have five up saves anyways, that are um, not, like summonable units, like oh, a five up or worse. So yeah, really, it's just not great. Um, it would be above suspicion. That, that's got to be the move. But that or Master of Magic, just, yeah.
0: If we ever go into, like, a really heavy shooting dominated meta, um, maybe, because the bait also gives you plus one to your ward rolls too, so your Deathless would be on, on fives. Um, maybe, maybe there's a world, but yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in, mo- in most cases, um, unbending will or above suspicion.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um I don't know if the shooting meta is going to really be a prominent thing just because um not necessarily this book, but oh my gosh, can can uh Petrifax, uh OBR punish shooting armies. So I think that you're going to see some hard counters with with shooting pretty consistently pretty consistently like now. And the fact that like a huge shooting army is about to be less so. Uh, in our Seraphon friends.
0: Yeah. I, I think the question is like, what's the next general's handbook? What's the incentive? And then yeah. what's going to come off the back of it. Right. Like I keep saying like, you know, fictitiously, I actually don't know, like imagine the next general's handbook is about magic. So all of a sudden you see a lot more shooting and a lot more castles. So mm-hmm. you, so the bait, the bait would incre- increase, its value. But at the moment, yeah, I probably wouldn't take the bait.
1: I agree, and so the fact that we are probably looking at this book being one that's going to exist for you know anywhere between two to three years, I, I agree with you. It's probably going to be a good expectation to just kind of like sit and see where the new seasons go. You know, I always talk about how you know I want that cavalry season. We'll see if that ever happens. You know, at this point, it's going to be like a War Cry Warband season instead. I don't. I
0: know. want. I want. I want artillery season. Give me artillery season. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Almost every army has them now, except for this book, I think.
0: What about um, your artifacts?
1: Yeah. Uh, I like uh, the Coroptian um, uh, Cloak. I definitely butchered that. Um, I think that that's the most useful one. Morbeg's Claw is has been relatively the same for three books, if you count uh, Legions and Nagash. I've never been a fan of it because that requires a hero to stand still. Um and the shard of night is just i look at that and i'm just like dang i keep on looking at the ethereal save that legion of blood got and now i'm looking at this like what are you what are you you trying to sell me here so um it's the cloak for sure
0: yeah when you compare the shard of night to the ethereal stuff in the in uh legion of blood it doesn't it doesn't compare you're like i'd rather Mm -hmm. just that every day of the week exactly All right. That's Legion of Legion of Night. There's some cool things. Obviously you start to see the difference between Legion of blood and Legion of night. Anything else, anything else you want to add on this particular sub faction?
1: No, I think that if you like moving across the board and having board presence, this is the faction, but yeah,
0: I play a lot of Legion of night. Unfortunately, I'm looking over the fence Seeing that the grass is greener, and Legion, <laughs> L- Legion of Blood is what I would play moving forward. I think I think it's just too it, it, it's too attractive. Like I
1: sure, I'd yeah, it yeah, it's very shiny.
0: v Cross, mm. v Cross is V Cross, right? Like you still are focused on your little wolfy heroes. You have a new uh, Ivia. If you are the new vampire Lord on foot, very um, cool. mm-hmm. she's very, and, we'll, and I'll ask your opinion in, you know, when we get to the war scroll, but what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Oh yeah. So like I said before, um, I've always been a big fan of your I kind of like the aesthetic. Um, it's very different. Lore wise. It's very different as well, which if you're, if that's your kind of thing, it can be fun. Um, and I have always enjoyed the wolves. Um, you know, I would usually run 20 and have 10, to bring on the table from from Chatticar. Um, he never skips leg day, he always goes for those narrow squats, he always goes for gigantic quads. Um, but uh I've been a big, big, big fan of just seeing how this is. Now I will say I've not gotten nearly enough reps with Virkos that I've wanted to get in yet, but I'm very confident that if you don't run Legion of Blood, um, it'll and it's not even like one is better than the other. I think that more people are going to gravitate towards Legion of Blood because it's got more obvious, straightforward, this is how I'm going to win mechanics. I think that uh, Virkos has a little bit more thought that needs to be put into it. But I think that it's going to be just as strong over the course of the entire game. Um, There is something that you have on there. That's awesome. um, Which... A lot of people were very taken aback by with the command traits and the artifacts and how they can be put on a unique character um mm. and i knew people were like oh that's gonna get faq'd or oh that was a misprint i'm like you look at the rest of them and they don't have anything any kind of verbiage like that whatsoever it's very explicit um and to me it's also very explicit that it's done from a sales point because there's one legion of night hero there's one legion of blood hero there's one Castle-like Dynasty Hero. There is seven. There are seven Virko's heroes, right? So you, they're gonna want you to use the characters that they got you for. Um, and they're all na-
0: they're all named up. They like all. Uh, there's there's no unnamed, Virko's hero. Like they're no, all... there aren't.
1: There aren't. And even more so. Even even more leaning into that point, there are non-hero units that are Virko's keyword as well. Which goes further into the Cursed City things, which other units don't have. So, you know, we're looking at Bloodborne, we're looking at the Night Guard, we're looking at um, the Vargas Gear, um, the Vargas Gear. And so, like, it's, it's pretty cool that they have all these kind of little mechanics that can be integrated with them. Um, I'm a big fan.
0: So I'm, I'm somebody that doesn't run V-Cross. Um, first, the aesthetic doesn't, like, kind of, like, draw me in. That's fair. Uh, I'm, prob- I'm probably more, like, Interview with a Vampire, Dracula. Like, uh, if we go back to OG stuff, Alex, like, I would definitely be, like, Von Karstein or uh, Lamia style. That's, that's kind of my jam. Yeah. But tell me about this. Like, how does this, this army actually work on the table differently to, like, what I would experience in the past with Night or Blood?
1: Um, I am going to can how am I gonna uh, I'm gonna say it as simply as I can. Uh you can run Grave Guard in any subfaction you want, and it's gonna be good. But if you want to run Grave Guard, run them in Virkos. Like if you're gonna run more than one unit, rather. So if you want to run 20, you can just throw that into any of the subfactions. Just I mean Castle I kind of sleep on that subfaction, but um besides that, 20, whatever, do it. Uh if you want to run more than that, if you want to run 40, if you want to be saucy. Yeah. Virkos for sure now and forever, or at least until the next book. Um, it's just the benefits that you get for summonable units and um, the benefits that you get for units near certain characters. Uh, there are so many kind of inner uh, interlapping um, or overlapping rather um, kind of buffs and abilities that can uh, help improve your army that don't like counteract each other um, is there's a lot of them. And um I just see a huge amount of utility in this, in this book. It's uh, in this sub faction specifically, Um, you know, I mean, hell look at the fact that you can bring extra bodies on the table. Um, We don't have the war scroll for a up, but she has a spell, which is. um, uh, I love that spell. I love that
0: spell. It's so annoying, but it's so good for a shooting metal.
1: It's sixes a hit cause, um, two hits instead of one. And it used to be wholly within 12 of her. Now it's wholly within 24 of her and it's only casting value six and she's plus one to cast, you know? So very easily, you know, you just put 70 points in, you get an unholy lodestone corpse cart and that's going off very, very easily. You can put in your arcane terrain as well. If you get lucky on the map and now it's just laughable unless you fight against something that can unbind super easily. Um, so you know who needs a white king on foot when you have a huge chunk of the table that's giving those grave guard the same buff you know that's also hard to kill because she still has like a bodyguard mechanic with direwolves um so on top of the fact that you can add unit add direwolves to units and you can add an extra unit of direwolves onto your army so like every army when you look at a wounds count just add 20 to it like if you're running virkos just you know, put in parentheses twenty more, twenty more wounds, and you're fine. It's just and that, hmm?
0: and that's from the kin of the wolf because uh, Chataka lost the ability to bring on the ten wolves. Right, so it's not like you can do that plus Chad. That's gone. It's ten dire wolves.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to add Chad, which also means that his utility and his like I would always say that he wasn't like 310 points like he was before. He was like 180-ish points. Um, and I, if you counted the dogs, you know, very rarely would I think only once I ever lost him before he had the chance to do the command ability. And that was just a freak accident in the game. Um he, there's way more utility because now that free unit can come from anyone, um, which your opponent is gonna have to realize. And then on top of that, um Radikar is uh another big thing with him is he lost the Warmaster rule, um, which is a bummer. Uh only Belladama, which I understand they want just one War Master for each subfaction, uh, because there were like several War Masters in Virgos
0: before a, a lot. There was a lot. Like I was going there through was it. I'm like, You're a, you're like a sub-commander. you, are a Warmaster. you were a war master, you were you probably shouldn't have been.
1: Yeah, exactly. So unfortunately, um He's no longer a war master, but the usefulness of Belladama Dama means that you're going to see her on the table a lot more again. Um, and you're still always going to see Radikar. Like he's far and away super, super, super useful. He has a great hammer. Um, I used to run, I I won a GT about a year ago where I had a uh, Virkos and I had a zombie dragon. I had Manfred of course. Um, and I had Radikar and nine times out of 10, the opponents would do make a beeline for, uh radicar or manfred due to manfred's buff or due to the zombie dragons um um offensive capabilities and they would just leave radicar alone and then he hits them like a brick shithouse uh and then it's a problem for them you know so uh and the fact that he's minus one to hit and minus one to wound now um is really helpful the only issue i have with him is that your opponent if they know his war scroll um, can mess you up because he can never retreat. Yes, like it's on his war scroll. So that's something to be aware of.
0: Uh, by the way, you're talking about wolf or you're talking about beast? The two different oh, versions. Oh, I of don't White even
1: know. I, I don't know her. I don't. I don't know her. I, the wolf? Uh, no, just just the beast. No. Yeah. <laughs> just
0: just in case someone hasn't run Chaddockar yet, and they're like, and obviously they like open up war scroll builder always, and there's two there's two war scrolls. What what's the teleo? Yeah.
1: No, I think I think the wolf, if you want to run him, you can, especially if you're, like, points limited, because he still has that, if you make a charge, it's a bubble of plus one attack, which went from 18 down to 12. But, um, oh my gosh, is Radicar the Beast just far and away a better choice?
0: I will say, before I ask you your command traits and your artifacts... Um, one of the interesting things there with that uh, the infamous uh, lineage is you can bring your zombies above their starting unit size, which is fascinating to me. So, if you run forty or sixty and you miss, you know you roll one or one to d three, that's like you could be growing a well, I was say an unkillable zombie unit. But I thought that was an interesting rule. Although I don't know if I would use a heroic action for potentially one zombie. And that's like, I'm looking at this conservatively. I'm like, uh, probably not.
1: So I agree with you completely. But this further reinforces, at least in my head, this further reinforces the um, sentiment that I had about uh, wolves, like zombie dogs over zombies on uh, Humi zombies any day for me, just aesthetically and gameplay wise, uh, because it's a Deadwalker unit that gets affected by that. So, you know, all of a sudden, You know, you have, uh, instead of bringing one to three wounds worth of zombies back, you could bring two to six wounds worth of direwolves back instead. And for me, that's the move.
0: I call that out because you don't naturally associate deadwalker keyword to direwolves. Because you you see deadwalker zombies, you're like, okay, cool, great. I can bring out one Mm -hmm. zombie. But then when, as you said, you look at the direwolf war scroll and it does have the dead walkers keyword. you're like oh wait a second that's now one to three diewolves, which could be two to six wounds
1: exactly yeah no it's so useful um now i don't know if that counts for recycling either like if you summon a unit of wolves, or if you had a unit of wolves on the table and you used uh pack alpha to bring d3 models to the unit um and they it, and it can be taken above their maximum unit size could you then, if they die, recycle them with the extra models added as the recycled unit? Like, if they became a 16 man unit instead of a 10 man unit because of two, you know, five ups for the D3 rolls, do you bring eight guys, uh, eight dogs back instead of five? Like, there's a lot of just funky, wonky stuff there as well.
0: My my gut says you use the pitch battle profile, which has the unit size Same. defined. But I see where your question comes from, where it's like, well, if I have grown the unit to be uh, 13 dogs, then am I bringing back seven at half strength as opposed to, oh, actually be eight because you round up. it be eight because you
1: round up, yeah. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it says I'm, you add models to the unit. So I think that's something that has to be FAQ'd. And of course, we're talking pre-FAQ, so.
0: What's your favorite command trait?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, driven by Death Stench. Um, I, again, I like all of them. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, um, you have to, before even looking at the command traits, you have to think about who your hero is, or who your general is going to be. And since your general can be a named character, again, <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, Chattakar is probably going to be my named character, probably going to be my general. So I, when I think about him and I think about these command traits, he could be twelve uh, count as 12 models and objective. But with Virkos, you're probably running a lot of units and you're probably running a lot of models. So that's cool, but it might not be needed. Um, I think spore tractors could be useful, but for me, I'd rather have Radicar run up the board, be within sexy charge uh, range, Drop grave guard, uh, holy within nine of him from grave sites and give them reroll charges without having to worry about bloodthirsty, uh, triumph or uh, a command point, you know, or both. So, uh, that is really, really useful to me.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, they mm-hmm. would they were probably that was probably the order that I would pick because sport tracker sounds good and it's going to help you get up the board sooner, but it kind of loses its value over time. Mm -hmm. while re-rolling charges um is only valuable in certain situations when you don't land a charge that's when it sucks and that can that can punish you in game so I would always rather driven by death stench um especially like if you're smart and you can have set up like a couple of charges from that nine inch bubble um exactly yeah
1: and to, to make sure that you don't have issues with that you can also bring a unit of dogs with you or even a unit of grave, or, um, uh, black knights and move up the table with Radikar so that he doesn't uh, get uh, charged instead and he doesn't get stuck and logged into combat, which would be a huge problem for Radikar, uh, not only for his plus one attack buff, but also for, uh, quite frankly, this driven by death sensibility as well.
0: What about your artifact choices?
1: Oh yeah! So we talked about this earlier when we were talking about Legion of Blood, and we were talking about the anti-magic uh, uh, ability. These are all so cool to me. Um, I have been a big fan lately, and um, of running. Uh, extra enhancement being an extra spell or an extra prayer that my armies know instead of an extra artifact. But this is the one exception to it for me recently is just having two artifacts or maybe even three, if you want to be real sassy. Um, the uh, phylactery is something that I think is incredibly useful, especially on Radicar. Um, When you think about him with some dogs backing him up with um uh, with some grave guard that are nearby even if you fail the charge of the grave guard and they're wholly within nine to get that reroll charge at least those grave guard are now having a five up ward so that's something to consider uh five up save five up ward still it, it, 20 wounds that's a lot harder to move um than they would have normally been um i like the terminus clock um but that is something that can be situational, but it's just kind of like an automatic ability. So I would rather have that than the standard of the Open Watch. Uh, I think, and I and I say that with a big asterisk. I think my knee-jerk reaction is that the Terminus clock would be really, really helpful just to do to roll the dice and just get it um, on a three-up, make your opponent minus one to cast. Because a big thing every time I played with Soulblight, my biggest issues were in magic-heavy armies total eclipse um, uh, previously when command points mattered with them uh, croak just like a bunch of mortal wound spread a bunch of buff spells debuff spells i had issues with uh, or at least i didn't I, I wasn't i didn't have issues with but i had i didn't like them <laughs> so i would rather have a three up for an ability rather than the four up for a command point because you're not always going to need as many command points in in this
0: army yeah, you had mentioned a few times earlier that you don't think this is an RCP kind of hungry army. Um, and I know I know, a few people were asking me earlier about um, the flattery and saying, you know, would you put it on something like Belladama? Um, you know, obviously Belladama has some good survivability with the bodyguarding rules and things like that, or even like a White King where, I mean... Your white king can be brought back to life. Do you get the artifact if you bring, come back? for Yeah, you would. You would. If you come back to life. That's a you good question.
1: To- I think it has to be FAQ'd because, oh, no, it doesn't have to be FAQ'd. No, no, no. So I checked this earlier. You can double check if you want. Um, yeah. But there's two different paragraphs from character to non-character. And the non-character one, it does say, like it did previously, you get a new unit made up of half the models. Um, yeah. And with the character, it just says you bring this model back. So I believe it still has its artifacts, which would make sense because you can't have a new named character in the sense of um, Crits of the Rat Prince. You can't have more than one ever, you know. And so why is there a new version of the same exact unique model, right? Like that doesn't fit with how the game works. Um, So I'm pretty sure...
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm quickly having a look, look at the rules to see what happens with the summer. Because if it's a, obviously, if the wording is you replace it with a new a new hero, then you wouldn't retain the artifact. But if it's bringing the uh, the hero back, but um, yeah, it's I don't
1: a believe it's uh, wounds, I I don't believe they have the new. Like it, it's not a recycled unit. It is bringing back the same unit, but with uh, I think three wounds taken on it. So if it's a white king it's going to have two wounds left and if it's uh um, a white king on a skeletal mount then it's going to have four yeah, wounds if, on it
0: if you pick a summonable hero on a four plus you can set up that hero a uh, yep. holy within 12 so so, so, so uh, that sounds to me like you keep your artifact
1: yep yep so really really useful and i mean when you take into account the uh phylactery and if you have if you don't choose Chattachar, if he's just a guy in your army, because I think he should always be in your army if you're running Virgos, but if he's not your general and you have, say, a White King on foot or a White King um, uh, a white king that's uh, on Skeletal Steed and they have a phylactery, then they themselves are also benefit- benefiting from the Five upward. They themselves are summonable. So it makes them a lot harder to kill. You're looking at seven wounds on the, on the Skeletal Steed. Three up save, five up uh award save, just innately very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's hot. All right, you you you're kind of convincing me a little bit on, <laughs> on the across. I am not I'm not a hundred percent sold, but I'm i I'm, yeah. I'm leaning in. I'm leaning a bit more in.
1: There you go. Okay.
0: What I'm not sold on is Castellai. And look, there is hmm. some play here, but I think there's there's more to this faction that's it's not the Castellai rules for me. It's that I'm not a big fan of Blood Knights, and I was hoping Blood Knights would get an improvement like Chaos Knights because realistically, like, you lost the um, the, fist of, the Fist of Nagash, which was on Prince Vordry, got changed because um, that was a hero face fight, which was really cool. Like, I, I personally am not a drawn to a Castellai army. Where do you stand? And if we did make it, how would you build a Castellai list?
1: Uh, I have not leaned on Blood Knights since 1.0. Um, I've kind of just, I enjoyed them when they were, when there was a Soul blight sub-allegiance in the 1.0 rulebook when there was no Death Army. I really, and what you really could regenerate,
0: it. and we could regenerate vampire yeah. Blood Knights with the banners.
1: Absolutely. Loved that. Loved that. <laughs>
0: But... My, mate, my, my, my 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 one of my best mates deke would uh run like four or five units of blood knights and he would just recycle so he'd, he'd hit me with the with the blood knights then retreat them and recycle and then hit me with another yep. unit and which is this constant back forth of regeneration hit regeneration and blow the crap out of me shout out deke. Oh, thanks for your support but man that was <laughs> tough it was tough
1: yeah so good so good um However, with uh, castelli Dynasty and the previous book and this book, uh, I, I got to say, I'm fully in agreement with you. I, I do sleep on it. Um, I first, uh, on initial read-through, I realized, I was like, oh, this is almost identical to the previous version of Castellai Dynasty. I don't like that at all. And then I looked at it a little further, and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is almost identical to the previous rules, just a little bit less useful. I mean, um, uh, I don't know. They they still have the might from the Crimson Keep. Um, that yeah, hasn't the battle, changed.
0: The Metal Craze rule, that monstrous rampage for a castellated monster is quite cool, being able to give it plus one to wound. So you, you sure. very much, like, that. that's interesting. Um, the heroic action is interesting. Um, I, th- I think it's more about the unit selections. Like, it's encouraging you to run Blood Knight's... Um, yeah, that just that, that's 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 the thing for me competitively. But if I was running like a narrative, I love the kits. Then yeah, run run Castellite to your heart's content.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And every time I've fought against a Castellite army, it's like that person really wants to play Castellite. So you know what? Good on them. Um, I think Master Retaliation can be really fun on Forge Dry or on a Zombie Dragon, um, but. Yeah, like the fact that the Shifting Keep, just like we talked about with Legion and Night, where some command traits were previously battle traits, like the Shifting Keep going into a command trait instead, it's just weird. It's weird. It's clunky to me. It's clumsy. I'm not a fan.
0: I think if I was running a Castellai, I'm probably running two Vampire Lords on Zombie Dragons or Prince Vordry and a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Then I'm running, you know, some some bats, some blood knights and maybe some skellies um
1: fordry Vord- can never get a break um fordry is consistently more expensive and worse than a vampire lord and a zombie dragon every single time and i don't have to say it's just not good i'm not okay.
0: Yeah, look look and if people if you're listening to this and you are a Castellai dynasty vampire you love them let me know in the comments make like, try to convince me it's uh, it's not that i don't like them i just don't see the value like i just think about the same archetype put it into a different sub faction and i just think the army's better
1: totally agree absolutely agree
0: if you were going to pick a Castellai army what would your command trait and the artifact that stands out for you
1: um you know i Just like the uh, Viracos, I like the re-roll charges. So I'd probably go with Swift and Deadly as my primary command trait. Um, And with the artifact, um, you know, there's something to be said about uh, combining that with the red casket. So not only are you re-rolling charges, but the general, who's probably a zombie dragon, is going to be re-rolling charges at plus three. Uh, That to me just seems like the best kind of combo.
0: I would, yeah, that was the first one that stood out for me. Fragment of the keep would probably be my second artifact. Mm-hmm. But Red casket definitely stood out for me because I don't want to fail that charge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially the zombie dragon. Cause you should probably be bringing him with the death Alliance, and you're probably going to want to make that charge.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thousand yeah. percent. Uh, Avangori. Avangori, our monstery type one. And I know you're, you're a bit more of a fan of this than I am, although I have become a fan. I, I wasn't a fan in the old book of Avangori. Now with the changes to Lucavi and the Gorian Lord, and now that they're not as crazy wild in the hero phase, I'm coming around to this sub-faction.
1: Yeah, I'm a really, really big uh, fan of the changes of Angorian Lords. I still don't think Avingoria is not my favorite sub-faction by far, but it is not my least favorite. It is my second least favorite sub-faction in the army, um, but it's not one that I like would hate running. Like If I went to a tournament and I played five rounds with Castellai, I'd be irritated by halfway through the first round. If I played Avangori and I built a list and I knew what I was doing and I had a few drinks in me, I'd have fun pretty much the whole tournament. I could see myself having fun. Um the uh the Vangorian Lord, something that we we didn't broach last time is its combat profile got massively better. I mean, it used to have four attacks at D3 damage, now it's four attacks at two damage, one rend. Um, and its claws, it's uh talons, or its its tail is now one rend as well, but it's identical to what it was before. But most importantly to me is it's Gordron's Talons uh, are still three attacks. They're three-inch range now. They might have been three-inch range before, but they are. Uh, they were previously forced to hit, threes to wound, one rend, d6 damage. Now they're twos to hit, or I'm sorry, threes to hit, twos to wound, uh, two rend, two. three damage, which is huge. Like, those fours to hit were such a bummer. And now it's like, yeah, you know, you might not need to bring a zombie uh, Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon when you know you can have consistent damage three uh, at three-inch range uh, <laughs> that can hit a lot better. So, um and at least wound a lot better too. So, yeah, I think that like a uh, Vanguardian Lord and Luka Vi and a ton of monsters and small bits is, is the move here.
0: Same question as I've asked you in every other sub-faction. Do I have to take Luke Vi?
1: Yes. Yes, her uh, spell is incredibly helpful. Um, I, as I mentioned yet again, I've been playing a lot of corn, and in the previous book, having the six-inch pile in, six-inch activate was such a strong mechanic, um, especially if your opponent couldn't redeploy, which I know Death won't have an option to do. But um, having, you know, the ability to just kind of like run units up the board, not care about shooting, and then just be like, "Cool, I'm going to pile into you." is just such a strong mechanic you make that uh vangorian lord move uh, uh an auto run six so now they're moving uh you know 18 inches and then they're going to have that 24 inch threat zone at any one time and not have to worry about unleash Howl is just really really strong
0: if you were going to run an avangori list
1: how hmm. many
0: monsters do you think is the sweet spot
1: Ooh, i would bring one monster for one Vingorian Lord or Lukavai. So if you had like Lukavai and a Vengi, I would probably want to run two or one of each, like, or I mean, I'm sorry, one monster per Vingorian Lord. So I'd probably run two zombie dragons in addition to, uh, just because of that free ability to just kind of hand out the hunger on a zombie dragon can be so helpful to keep him alive.
0: Would you run a Terrorgeist uh, solo?
1: Um, yeah, I could see a terrorgeist being useful my My issue that I have with the terrorgeist is that um it doesn't have the same type of utility that uh, a zombie dragon has. I don't think it can deep strike right it no, just no, the zombie no. dragon does, yeah, so that makes it like you look at a zombie dragon fourteen inch move, four up save, you know it's cool, but it can get removed off the table with relative ease. When you start making sure that it can just show up with a nine and now it's got only one turn it has to deal with, like getting shot at or something like that, uh, depending on the mission, it can be a huge boon.
0: The reason I ask is because while you say that, um, as you said, the Vangorian Lord's got a great spell, so he could use the hunger on the terror guys to keep it healed up. Um, you could combine it nicely with this Unstoppable Nightmare potentially and even the cursed abomination at the top being able to fight with that terror guys on its top profile um i don't know like i'm i'm not i'm not completely against it um but oh, yeah. I, I do see your argument
1: and i i'm pretty sure they're all the same point cost now like they used to be different points and now both of them are just a flat 300 so you yeah, don't have they to are. worry yeah, uh,
0: I'll I'll quickly check, but I, I think you're right. I think they are both 300. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Terror Guys 300, Zombie Dragon 300, and they're both battle line in Avengory too.
1: Yes, yes. So you could bring maybe two of them and then 20 skeletons to hit uh, your back line. Um, and I'm pretty sure and uh Vargas are battle line conditional battle line in Avengory as well now. They used to only be conditional battle line in um in Legion of Night.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Vargeist Va- 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 up in both uh, both Avengori and Legion of Night battle
1: line. Mm, which also deep strike. So that could be fun. Um, the only thing I would recommend is if you run Vargeist, Va- 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 especially in Avengori as well. Um, I never like MSU Vargeist. I would run like a unit of them, like a, a significant one. Like I would run six or nine. Um, do I think it's the best move? No, I just wouldn't do it. But like if you wanted to, I would run a bigger unit.
0: Yeah, Okay, uh, uh, yeah, it's always their range is, is the thing that gr- kind of grinds me down. Like, yeah, I could see a three to six, Like, going to nine, you're you basing it off attrition, um, because you'll never get those nine attacks in, like, those they'll never no. get like the combat.
1: No, no, not at all. I see
0: that. Favorite, yeah, favorite are command trait and artifact,
1: yeah, um. I like the monster smite, especially if we do the idea that you mentioned with the terror geist and having your general be on the board with like a monster moving up the board with them. Um, that aura can be really, really useful. Um, the artifacts, you know, they, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like they all have their uses, but um, I'd probably go with uh, they're all once per battle honestly yeah, that, sure yeah yep.
0: that that drove me insane I think it's a collar for me if I'm going for an artifact it's to be able to the bearer strikes first so you got to make the yeah. most of that that one combat
1: yeah yeah that would probably be the move that I would do as well um I could see the breath of the void mob being helpful as well um but that is also again just once per battle so it is very swingy um I, I just wouldn't yeah yeah, I would probably just do Gorza's colour. Or frankly, uh, I would probably do like a generic artifact as well. Like, um I don't know. Uh you know, with the Vingorio Lord, actually a generic artifact wouldn't be very helpful. Never mind.
0: I, I will say though, the command traits I do like unhinged uh rampager. Because you get to mm-hmm. reroll charges. So, the same thing we talked about with Viercross. Um If someone happens to shoot, let's say your Vangorian Lord, um, and you allocate the wound, they're going to get a free uh, six up to D6 um, inch move as long as they're outside of nine. So, you're creeping them up the board um, or yep. repositioning. So, not, I don't know. Uh, even just being able to reroll charges again is, is a pretty handy ability,
1: mm-hmm. which is a very consistent thing.
0: Uh, anything else about Anvangori? I swear, are we at the, we at the last one? Ah, yes, yeah, match Play Rules. Yes! <laughs> this book goes forever. We haven't even gone... It like, does. Imagine, like Imagine we went through, like, every single War Scroll. We'd be here oh, forever.
1: Yeah, we'd be here for a weekend. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Grand Strategies?
0: I think, I think, this, I think this is going to be an easy one, because I looked at your lists, and I think all three of your lists had all the same Grand Strategies. So... Where are you at, and why do you like what you like?
1: Now I'll say the runner-up for my uh, favorite is Empire Corpses. However, um, especially if you run Vierko, it's a lot of summonable units. But like, I've played a game with like where my Scar wrath and my Corn Army died top of one, and then I rolled ten times and did not get an eight up at the end of each movement phase. So like once in a while, you'll play that game where you're just not rolling a three or a four up to recycle a unit and you're not going to get your grand strat, which is going to be painful, Um, especially three times that you have to do it. Uh, Luster Domination, far and away, is my favorite grand strategy in this book. Um, Crimson Larder is just terrible. It's the exact opposite side of it.
0: I don't know why they keep putting in the uh, complete four. Oh, sorry, that's that, that one. This is a... Was it uh completely the, the grand strategy, no heroes? Uh no, is no. Talk to yeah. me about <laughs> why why, why ew, ew. I used to assume yeah. the last one is always the one that's like score four battle tactics from your from yeah. your list. And like
1: Well, the OBR one has that too. So they all do.
0: They all do. this is like one of the first books that doesn't have it. Yes, yeah why why lust for domination what what really stands out for you and um talk to me about this so you obviously got to uh, control more grave sites than your opponent uh, and grave site controlling is the same as objective controlling
1: yes um which is really really important to remember uh so when i had mentioned earlier when we talked about grave site placement especially for like a new player that might not have a complete grip of the table to have that if they have that template of that six inch circle or that 12 inch diameter circle to just kind of move around the board to see where your object grave sites can be you need to think about those as kind of new objectives for the end of the game for you so um I would never, I mean, you, can, you can't you can place a gravesite within an inch of the center of an objective or within an inch of a terrain piece. So because of that too, you want to be able to, just like we talked about before, of not putting your gravesites near a board edge so you can have a maximum circle of radius for, to bring models back in um, or to bring them from reserve with. Um, you also want to make sure that you are not giving your opponent the ability to easily score an objective, and prevent you from getting less from domination. So I'm a big fan of barely, or if not at all, overlapping the uh, six-inch circle from the uh, a gravesite to the six-inch circle from an objective. Yeah. Yeah, so and if your opponent think, wants to... Mm-hmm. Don't keep going. I was going to say, so if your opponent wants to deny your grand strategy, they're walking off the objective. That's all I was going to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, spot on. I think that what I was going to basically continue and say, what you don't want to do, and I see a lot of uh, newer style players use their grave sites right near the objective, and that mm-hmm. kind of makes sense. That's where the battle's going to take place. That's why you do it. But then you limit yourself to the regeneration and the summoning. You you, you restrict yourself on the grand strategy. So it's it's. But I, if I was you, folks. Sit down on a table. The next time you sit down with your, I don't know, at a, a local game store or at home, measure it out. Measure it out and see, you got the objective here, the, the aura is this large, like how far do you want to be from an objective and from terrain to score your grand strategy, but also to be able to maximize it, your regeneration and like your bringing back from the dead or even being able to come in from uh, from reserve with it
1: yeah, uh, I agree. So definitely lust for domination is like by far my my favorite grand strat.
0: How do you, without going into the detail of all the battle tactics, how do you feel are they achievable? are they some of them are okay? Um, and are there ones that you see, you kind of feel like you score more than others?
1: Yeah, um, well, the good thing is uh, just like the last few books, um game workshop has been pretty consistent where at least three of your battle tactics and one of your grand strategies are ones that were from previous white dwarf updates um you know this one it's word for word exactly the same uh so half of your battle tactics if you're a soul black player you've already been playing with um they just may have made it a little bit more kind of explicit with maybe one of them like um uh uh oh they changed the name of it there used to be one called lust for blood which was weird because of lust for domination um grand strategy it's um i'm not changing my i'm not i'm not making a new card for it it's still going to say lust for blood for me but um it is the um the healing from the hunger one uh it so it's a uh, curse on life
0: at yeah, the um, end curse on life
1: Super duper useful because, and I was actually shocked that they didn't change the verbiage from the previous book because it's just like that. It was just pick two friendly vampire units or your general. Your general could be the war master. You know, it could the war master. Uh, you know, is is someone who's a general in your army. So you know, it makes a lot of utility where you know your general or your war master or two other vampire units can heal from the hunger and boom they get it. So um i really like that uh a lot of them can be really really helpful i enjoy um some of them are just crazy easy expand the grave vampires it's just great it's just i thought the, cho- the
0: game i thought the choices vintage was another easy one pick an mm-hmm. enemy hero on the battlefield you, is if you kill it with the vampire hero you get your battle tactic like that's mm-hmm. it's a no-brainer
1: exactly exactly there was one great uh, battle tactic that did go away and it was uh, recycle a unit uh, which was, of course, on a five up previously. Real glad that that's gone. Um, but uh, another one that I've always really enjoyed too is uh, Callous Overlord. Um, okay. If you have a very, very hurt unit and you know that they're going to be able to get into combat, you can just very easily sacrifice them. Let's say it's a few zombies, or um, I had played in a tournament where I had a Dire Wolf yet left. And I was playing against a big wall list with Kragnos and a bunch of Gut Rippers and, uh, you know, the the Bolt Boys and shit like that. Stuff like that. Um, and uh, I was like, cool. Callous Overlord, Direwolf. He's out of combat. And I move him towards Kragnos. And the guy redeploys Kragnos. He goes, absolutely not. I am not letting you get into combat with Kragnos. And I make the charge. And he's, like, looking through the core rules. And he's like, can I choose not to fight? I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. Like... <laughs> It's very good. Very satisfying.
0: My, my gut read and what I'm hearing from you is that the battle tactics are good. There's a lot of yes. ones that are achievable. You can see there is a common theme either focused on uh, like vampire or summonable. So yes. uh, obviously if I'm cast ally, then I lose a lot of those summonable type ones because you don't run a lot of cast ally. But on average, for the average player, you should have a bunch of uh, easily to score battle tactics. That's right. Some good ones here, like some.
1: They're really very good. good. Comparing yeah. them to OBR, I was very bummed out to see that there was like situational
0: ones. You know, it's not Zinch slash Daughters of Cain good, but it's bloody good. It's good, yeah. It's very good stuff, very high level. Because I want to get to your lists, um, and we were here forever. I've said this like a hundred times oh, already. Okay. A couple of questions with Nick Ash. Do you like Nick Ash? Is he worth his points? If you were going to run him, how would you run him? And what would you need to see if we didn't? So let's start off. Let's start off at the top. Nagash war scroll update. I'm going to say Nagash's war scroll got a glow up. It improved. It got some good stuff in the profile. He's got a ward save. There's a whole bunch of great things that happened to Nagash. Without looking at the points, Alex, do you like Nagash?
1: Yeah, he's good. He's, he's, he's okay. Um, I mean, yeah, if you don't look at points, he is Make no points. No points. All he's right. great. Um, a lot of the weaknesses that he had before are gone. He used to have a four-up ward only against mortal wounds. Now he gives a bubble of five-up ward all across, including himself. Um, he still, unfortunately, has a damage table with how many spells he can cast. But his plus three to cast is never degraded, which is really, really good now um but you know he lost an attack with one of his weapons it's fours for the sword and four attacks with four sword and four attacks for the staff i think the sword might have been five attacks before and then four attacks with the staff um but another really important thing is he used to be forced to hit with a couple of his weapons and uh, melee weapons and now it is threes to hit and threes to win with both so he got better in combat uh, he got more consistent with his plus three to cast always existing, and um, yeah, I I like him. I I think he's useful, and he knows all the, all the spells from the army he's in.
0: He does does great jobs recycling units with the Supreme Lord of Undead. There's like this there's mm-hmm. some really good stuff. Okay, now this is where if people haven't looked at their book. They see he is 965 points currently. So he was 900. He's now 965. He also gained two wounds. That's so worth calling out. Sure. Points value. Now, where do you stand with Nick Ash?
1: Uh, I think he has utility, just not in a Soul Blight list. Um, for I 965. Think that...
0: For 965.
1: Yes. For 965, I would not run him in a Soul list. Um, there are other units you can have that will have more utility that will survive to uh, for you to get the most return on your investment um, in in other areas in this book um, when I try to build a list I do try to think of that return on investment for points and um, you know of course there's a total that can become something where you can just only think that way and it can actually be detrimental to your play but um, just from 35,000 feet up looking down um, I'm not a fan of him in explicitly a soul but list.
0: Folks, I just want to call out this particular point. We are talking at a competitive level. If you love Nagash, you painted it up. It's your favorite model. Run it, you do you. It's nothing wrong with running Nagash. That's not what we're saying. But if I was going to a grand tournament next month and I had Nagash as an option, what I'm hearing, and I agree with you, is that Nagash is something that I would not bring to my tournament list if I wanted to do the best that I could
1: hmm I think that he is best in uh, Night Hunt army. I think he is useful in an OBR army, but very, very hard to run in an OBR army. I think that he is not something to be considered in Legions for now. Uh, in fact, he might have to, uh, you know, play, but we're all just waiting for that new book for them.
0: How many points would you pay for this War Scroll? So if there was a point adjustment in the next General's Handbook, what would change your opinion that this now becomes a viable option competitively?
1: I think he needs to be around Archeon points. Uh, If not, maybe slightly more expensive than Archeon. Not like 100 plus points more expensive than Archeon. I mean, you will talk to... I mean, talking to people who don't play uh, Death Armies and talking to people who play Chaos Armies, for example, they always say Archeon's too many points. So of course, if you could talk in death circles you can say Nagash is too many points, but Nagash is also one of the most important, uh, expensive units in the game. And, uh, though he now has a ward save, which is helpful, you know, if he, if he had the ability to ignore instant death in some way, I would say he's worth his points, but he doesn't. So there are those little tricky things in the game that can kill him automatically and, um doesn't make them worth it to me. Not, not at 965.
0: I, I think the challenge, folks, is not just the points value, but it's the flow on effects that if you pay 965 currently, it's then you've only got like a thousand points <laughs> to play with for your battle line, your three battle line options and everything else that needs to happen. So that's part of the problem, again, at a competitive level. But Alex, I know you're a creative strategic genius. If you were going to run the gash, what would it look like? Like, like, would you build around cheap summonable bodies? Would you just drop all your, you know, your Neferatus, your Manfreds, your Vampire Lords, and put those big, put those hero points into Nagash? Like what would your list look like?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think that Nagash would be best, like, he doesn't have all of the benefits that make him useful in a lot of the sub factions. A lot of the sub factions are based around vampires. Um, All all of them are uh, in terms of keywords. The only one that's not uh, the only ones that are not are Avangorian Virkos primarily. So you would want to lean into those directions to try to go for benefits for the, uh, for the units. Right. So um, honestly, I would probably go with, uh, the sub at some point doesn't even matter it really depends uh, um, so you would probably want to knee-jerk reaction coast him and a vampire lord um, so that you can do the you know vampire lord on foot attacks then immediately another unit gets to attack uh, and then as many like skeletons as possible just to be like cool here are the bodies knowing that you're going to be able to bring 10 wolves on the table and just leave it at that
0: and Skeleton's coming back at the start of the combat phase. So I, I think it's just that constant grind. Uh, if you do get the unit gone, then you've got the Supreme Lord of the Undead to bring him back. But yeah, I think that would probably be how I would do it as well.
1: Yes. Um, which I need to double check and I need to see what units have the Mordant keyword. If they if there are any. Uh, Flesh um, of
0: Courts. Flesh of Courts.
1: That is Flesh eater Courts. Okay. Yeah, okay. the, 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 uh,
0: the Mordant is uh, Flesh eater Courts.
1: Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah, they don't... I see. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to build them. If you want to play the big hat man, absolutely play him.
0: Cool. All right. I think yeah. Look, and if his points change, no problems. But I think right now it's just a bit too hard um, to, to justify the big man. Um, but the little, the little person is Ivia. Um, new unit, 135 points. It's kind of cool. You're, you're a veercross person. Do you, would you include this in a veercross, and would you include it out of a Cross?
1: Um, I would not include it out of a veercross. Generally, I would definitely keep it in. Viercoast, but it's not a requirement. It does not. She does not give any additional benefits in on her war scroll that affect friendly units. Um, she's just a foot character that can have another unit swing with her in the uh, in the combat phase if you're in a Viercoast army. So I like her that way. She's not a caster, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, uh, my biggest thing that uh, I'm a huge fan of is the uh, you know Behemoth Bane rule just far and away boom saw that and said cool 135 points sweet bringing it in my list like uh the ability for her to make uh ma crusher ma crusher is a perfect example all of the attacks are one like and and you and you you can do that and let's say you have a very eager opponent and they're like cool i'm gonna use the destroyer like i'm popping the destroyer right now it's like cool <laughs> do pop the destroyer like worst case scenario You know, uh, you focus one or more attacks onto her to try to kill her to avoid this buff. And now you've just put, you know, 300 points plus into 135 points. And I still have other things in combat. So I think that uh, you can play the game in a way where she becomes something where you put her in a position where she's in the areas that your opponent wants to be uh, with their monster, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, ignore the behemoth for a second because, you know, like, like think about it, like being able to pin down Marathi, like such a great trade piece to kind of pin down Marathi and mm, and stop her from uh, like wreck it, wrecking yeah. face to the rest of your army. Think about all of the Archeons, the the killy monsters that want to go at you, a mega gargant, but it's more than that. A lot of armies have catacro- uh, catacross monster? No. Not gone. a monster.
1: Not a monster. But like this...
0: Just th- this thing that all the different, like, you know, monster options out there. Um, for 135 mm-hmm. points, not bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, giants, again, perfect example of something that you throw in there. Um, the only dragons. monster. I think, dragons, perfect example. Oh, yeah, a unit of dragons. If she's in combat with a unit of, like, two or four dragons, one attack each, baby. Yeah, not doing anything. Exactly. Um, the moment the only behemoth she doesn't want to be in combat with is scarbrand because scarbrand mm-hmm. is gonna be like oh cool carnage i only roll one dice anyways yeah okay like yeah yeah,
0: yeah that that is a that is a bad time don't go hunting scarbrand outside of scarbrand yes. yeah I, th- I think you're right I, I can't think of any other monsters that i would avoid yeah no
1: no i mean like she you run her up on a again a son to behemoth or uh frost lord uh you know what the frost lord the stonehorn has enough attacks different sequence of attacks where it can still be pretty deadly it's got the horns it's got the stomp it's got the spear it's got the ki- uh it's got the kick still you know like you want to make sure that it doesn't die to, that she doesn't die to the impact hits but she still wants to be within three
0: no you're right if you're gonna if you got a to stonehorn you're gonna charge you're gonna charge her into the stonehorn you don't want to be charged because six wounds four up save is not going to go very far
1: no no, no, but you're, per- you're perfectly correct on like those matchups with uh, God level characters and um, and some of the more alpha strong generic things. Like, again, first thing that I can think of is just the multi-attacked Mock um, Crusher.
0: Yeah. yeah. Kragnos, you, mean, you mentioned Kragnos. Yeah. I think to me, like where, where it hurts as a gargon player is the Gargan <laughs> player's got le- less attacks but they have high volume attacks, so if you get me down to one, and I miss with those attacks because they are quite um, gambly at times, my um, like gargon's going to sit there for for weeks just trying to get out of this stupid combat.
1: Yeah, a quarter of your army is now doing a lot less. Yeah.
0: yeah. So mm. you've given me you've given me a couple of lists. We might, we might only have time for two, unless you you, you want to go for the third. Um, I'm I'm always conscious of time. Like these these things go for of course. Um, and especially this book. This book is so deep. It's so big, and and we're only scratching the surface here. <laughs> we're only scratching the surface. Um, here's your first list. It's the Veer Cross list. Lust for Domination. You've got Radica the Beast as a general. Uh, command trait as Hunter Snare, and the f- this stupid name Ulfenkari Philanthropy. Um, Dharma with the Spirit Gale Necromancer. Uh, Ivia Volga. The Vampire Lord with Spirit Gale and Tunnel Master. What spell would be on your Necromancer, by the way?
1: Um, Necromancer and uh, Necromancer would have uh, Waste Away, and then Tortugolas would have uh, Fading Vigor.
0: Sweet. You got Torgus as well. Uh, You got two units of Dire Wolves, a unit of Skellies, two units of Grave Guard, and a Corpse Guard. Wrapping up at 2K on the nose with uh, Battle Reg and Warlord. So. We've talked like for two hours now, all the theory. Has it all come together here? What's the combinations? What is this trying to do?
1: Yeah. So the good thing is that you have boots on the, primarily, you know, you're going to have some things in the grave, some things not. Um, So you are going to have a lot of boots on the ground. And you are going to be able to be there. Um, I'm always a big fan of having body blockers, especially in armies like this. So you're not going to have as much punch as, say, uh, certain other armies, like maybe another list that we have here uh, today. But you have um, consistent casting. You know, you have uh, three uh, three spell casters. Um, Belladoma has two casts, uh, Necromancer and Vampire. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You have three casters, so you have uh, five... Spells that can be cast between Belladama, Vampire Lord, Necromancer, and Torticolus uh, or Torgilius, or whatever. Um, and then they should all be near the corpse cart. So they're all plus one to cast, makes Belladama plus two to cast. Um, she should always be casting her or a scroll spell that gives the sixes to hit cause an extra hit. That makes those 20 Graveguard, if they're outnumbered, surprisingly good in combat. That makes the Graveguard units incredibly good in combat. Um, and so you don't have to worry as much about their fours to hit. Um, you combine that, you have the ability, especially with a um telemaster vampire lord with proper charges in place with radicar there's a lot of like synergy that are in, that's involved here um you can run radicar up the board have maybe a cycled uh cycled units of grave guard coming out of the grave in one or two turns um, i don't i wouldn't probably bring both of them out at the same time but uh, you could if you wanted to but let's say the grave guard charge in the combat phase of the reroll charges and then he makes his charge as well, because he's probably closer to the opponent, um, then he automatically gives plus one attack to those Graveguard. But you've also Tunnel Mastered with your uh, Vampire Lord in the appropriate spot, knowing where your Grave Sites were already, knowing where you were going to put those Graveguard, um, and making sure that the move that Radikar had was the move that he had. So maybe forcing the the run run move. So all of a sudden... Your Graveguard, whether it's one or two units, uh, will be plus one to hit in an aura because Radikar made a charge. And then you use a command point, and now the Graveguard are an additional attack because of the Vampire Lord. So, you know, Radikar hits very, very, very hard, hits like a truck, and now you're having 20 Graveguard that are hitting with four attacks each, exploding sixes to hit.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the Graveguard combination is just so good, especially when you had the Vampire Lord with the plus one attack. With the with Torgilius, because again I don't see a lot of lists with Torgilius and you know some of the others like Gorslap, but I think they're going to start becoming more and more popular. Uh, sure. In a in a Veer Cross list, they the summonable units get award a ward of five plus holy within twelve. Are you protecting the Grave Guard before they get into combat, or is this more for like defensive objectives like your Dire Wolves or um, mm-hmm. even your Skellies?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think that it is. Um, it really depends on the opponent, and it depends on the mission, and it depends on the ar- and the opponent's army as well. So, um, like, if your opponent is playing very kind of pitched battily and they don't have any kind of tricks up their sleeve, or you know that they're not playing an army that has kind of like some trick shot stuff involved, um, then you could, if you're not worried about it, have him, you know, if there's maybe one or two objectives in your territory or just one, just have him surrounded by 20 zombies on the objective. And now they, you know, he's giving that five up ward save to them. He's hard to kill um, as well. So it becomes just a very useful kind of anchor in your army, holding objectives, uh, denying teleports or whatever, you know, just being there on the table. Um if you want him to be offensive and walk up the board with some grave guard or walk up the board with some skeleton, I mean uh, uh, some skeletons that could be useful. Twelve inch range with a, four, a forty mil base, you could have the skeletons going behind him, uh, holding up the rear, and you could have grave guard in front of him, uh, all benefiting from the five up ward. In addition to the five up board bubble that Radicar the Beast is also going to be giving to his units. Um, so there's just so much utility. And his, he's got a ranged weapon that's damaged too, so that could be fun. <laughs> One of the few shooting units.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah. And the Lossy shooting attack, but uh, Torgelius yes. has gained attack. Amazing. Amazing. Um, anything else you'd want to talk about with this particular list? I love it. It's different, um, especially for a Veercross list where there'd be certain things you'd expect to beat. I mean, look, Radica's there, um you've got uh i mean i love seeing ivia in the list uh Tour gear list is a great addition the double graveguard is fantastic um i'm going to ask a dumb question why didn't you oh, these are these are reinforced graveguards so that's what i was going to ask you uh, yeah i was going to ask you a question but no ignore that um, you've obviously got two units of graveguard which is going to slap when they're in combat uh diewolves can be a great screen you've got a whole bunch of nice little benefits in the um and the corpse cut giving you the pluses to cast as opposed to the debuff so i dig it
1: and remember there's 10 more wounds that aren't on this list there's 10 more wolves that will be on the table with this army so that's just a lot of bodies too
0: 20 wounds yeah 10 two two wounds each so be Mm -hmm. um while while we're talking die wolves before we move on um we haven't acknowledged a six inch do you know what are your thoughts on the changes to the direwolves and does that change alone make you think about building a list around direwolves
1: yeah um you could run like a meme list and just have so many uh zombie dogs on the table um it, it will be difficult to fit a lot of them on like if i put this entire list on the table alone there are some deployments where you are filling up almost every nook and cranny you can so like you generally wouldn't want to run too many wolves but i think to me personally the good maximum is the two units that you purchase because they're only like six and a half points a a wound they're they're 13 points a model and so they're just uh so 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 helpful when it comes to um you know, the utility that you can have. You can uh, counteract your opponent with a six-inch pylon. You can tie things up. Um, I At uh, LVO, uh, I played in the doubles tournament and I had a unit of 10 direwolves tie up Sigvald in combat. Like, you know, isn't that great? It's like, oh no, I don't get my ward safe. I don't get my armor safe either. Oh, well, like, anyways, you know, you killed two dogs, you know, continue.
0: Good, go you, go you.
1: Yeah, go you.
0: Before I move on, before I move on, what is the benefit to you for the six inch pile in? Like, it's because obviously, like zombies had the six inch pile in, and they did mortal wounds on their attacks, and like there was some jank, broken jank, right? But some of that's gone. Um, but for the person who maybe not is not quite connecting the benefit of a six inch pile in on a direwolf where do you see the value or why, why is that valuable asset to you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's the term always be charging and you don't have to do that whatsoever with direwolves. You don't want to do that with direwolves. So because they have a natural six inch pylon, you, and and I wish I had like a map up here and I could, you know, um, um, know, John Madden it with like little itineraries and little movements here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um if you have the ability to uh, pile in and activate within six, it is such a, such a helpful tool in many different instances uh, versus your opponent. You can um, in their charge phase or in their combat phase, you can now like get into combat. And let's say they were expecting to be free and clear and wipe a unit out. Now they're stuck with another unit in combat that they weren't expecting before. If they weren't aware of this six inch pile in, uh, I would lo- I love them as the idea of a screen. So you know, especially with Radicar being and, and Graveguard being some of the punches in your in this list, they can move up the table. Um, and because you lost the ability to be plus one to hit and plus one to wound on the charge with Direwolves, but you got a six inch pylon, there's no incentive for you to be making charges. So you should be running up the board at all times. So they're not moving ten inches; they're moving eleven to sixteen inches with an additional six-inch activation, and if they need to tie something in so that maybe in the next turn or in that same turn, Radicar can just go in and do what he needs to do, maybe backed up by some Graveguard, maybe not, then that's going to be something that's really helpful. In addition to that, um, if somebody is putting their army in, like on, on a line and you have a, uh, one wolf or in your unit within six inches, maybe in this corner of this line, all of a sudden you're piling in, you're in your own coherency. You're within three inches, but you're not in base-to-base. You you don't even have to get your attacks in. You can just be, you know, 2.9 inches away. And now you're in combat with that unit. And if you hit them at the right angle, they if they want to do anything, they got to move three inches towards it. One to maybe three units are going to be able to fight and not kill your dog unit. And now they're stuck.
0: The only other thing I add to that, because that was very ex- extensive, is you can avoid raw and stop. In addition to all of what you just said, because you, would oh, yeah. be outside, yeah, because you'd be outside of three. So yes. you
1: know, yeah. So and uh, and unleash up.
0: Yep, yep. Another good point because yeah. you're not charging. So again, that's why this is a, gr- a great benefit. So I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I love some of the nuanced techiness that you got in here. The second one is a Legion of Bloodless. So, Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, which is a general, Doom, Minions, Death Lance, Cloak of Mists and Shadows, Flaming Weapon, and Vile Transference. How is he getting a second spell, you might ask? You've gone with Commanding Entourage Magnificent, which is an extra enhancement, which you've chosen as a spell. Just for anyone, I've had this a couple of times asking how you get two spells um you've got Neferada with fading vigor and waste away the white king on on steed and a vampire lord on foot three units of uh, black knights a unit of dire wolves, and a unit of grave guard so your battle regiment and commanding entourage
1: mm-hmm. yeah so uh this one i'm uh, i've been workshopping a little bit more than other lists that i have right now um and i'm There's very little fat that I found in this list that I feel I need to change. Um, The only thing that I found is maybe swapping out the Direwolves and maybe swapping out the Graveguard. But if that happens, then it's a cascading effect of the Vampire Lord getting removed as well. So I'm just kind of moving a few things around, seeing how I feel, because the book is just so new. Um, But, you know, with this list, uh, it's really important, especially if uh, your, your listeners are, you know, listening to this and not watching this, they can just pull up all the missions in the season and they can look at the territories and then they can look back at this list and then look at the territories again um in the missions and you can see the usefulness that comes here with the zombie dragon and neferata uh, in combo with each other because of the fact that like I said before, three units or neferata and three other units can be removed from the table and brought back onto the table anywhere in their territory. Of course, that's not going to be relevant in some missions, but especially the missions where you have a 50-50 territory, Neferata, who moves 16 inches, Zombie Dragon, who moves 14 inches, are now going to be nine inches away from the opponent. So if you win priority, or if you have a pretty good idea that your opponent's probably going to give you turn one, which frankly, they're probably going to do that once, and they're never going to do that again, <laughs> um, then you will want to be you know in a good position. And even beyond that, there are some missions where your territory, there's no man's land and there's both of our territories, kind of like the corner ones. And you have to be outside of nine inches from an objective. Now you're on the objective and you're scoring the objective before the game begins. And so there's a lot of usefulness with Neferata's um, more talk of blood ability in this list. Um, I would almost, always, I mean, I would never put Graveguard on the table. I, I'm very, I'm a very big fan of literally always never putting them on the, on the table at the start of the game always in the grave just gotta do it um, but you also might want to do that with all of the black knights and the white king even you know you might want to just start this list with the zombie dragon neferata um, uh, maybe a unit of white uh, of uh, black knights and the uh, vampire lord and the direwolves on the table like you're gonna want to really really think about how you plan to like move in this game or in, in this list. Like you should have a good idea as to what your kind of general direction is going to be. And it's a lot less complex strategically than the Coast list because it's very much like a cool, I'm going to hit you super hard.
0: And e- even if you don't want to go into the techiness of uh, say grave sites, the black Knights, the vampire Lord on zombie dragon, a lot of this stuff has speed. Like, they're fast-moving units for death. So even if you don't want to go in, because I've seen a lot of Graveguard fail their charge uh, from a gravesite, and it always makes me nervous because, like, if you fail it and you fail the re-roll, then the Graveguard's just sitting there, possibly double-turned, um, shot off the board if your army's a shooting army. Um, so for me, it's always, like, this risky piece, but you've got the speed anyway to kind of handle and control the board. So um, I, I really like some of these options. Yeah
1: and frankly i had a variation of this list which dropped the grave guard and the vampire or no dropped the grave guard and i had more black knights and 20 skeletons as well so that could definitely have some some leeway there but being able to have um the black knights who do move 12 you're right um being able to alt charge in let's say hypothetically the 10 man and one of the five man got charges off and you protected your um uh let's say you're going up against a. Uh, Luminous list or some really, really shooty army that you knew your your uh, White King was probably going to die to. Um, you keep them in the grave, you pop them up, you perform the uh, generic ability of the reroll charges, and their charges, not only do they get those reroll charges like we talked about before, but also, you know, as mentioned, their impact hits are very unique. Um, mm-hmm. The equivalent uh, kind of unit, the, the Hex Wraiths for Night Nighthaunt, is just... Two up, no matter how many models are in the unit, one dice, two up, d3 mortal wounds. For these guys, it's uh, you roll two dice for each model existing in the unit, and on a five up, an uh, enemy unit takes that many mortal wounds. So if it's a five man unit, you roll ten dice. If it's a, tw- a ten man unit, you roll twenty dice. If it's a seven, you roll fourteen, etc. Um, when those are going on on going off on four ups, that means that you're having a fifty percent chance of causing mortal wounds for each one. So you're doing 10 mortal wounds on average if the 10-man yeah. unit is charging into something. So they could easily kill the thing they charged on the charge and then pile into something that they might want to actually get into combat with.
0: The cool thing as well, folks, just for anyone who's um, who's thinking about this list or any of the lists is that these are just examples, right? It's not like, please take this list and run it at your next GT. Oh, yeah. but, let, but let's say hypothetically you drop the Grave Guard or you want to swap it out for something else. You might bring Kato in instead of the Vampire Lord. The Kato is a great model, but it's not a, a buff piece like the Vampire Lord. There's so many things you can tweak and modify here to make it your own. You, know, you could take this list... Swap out Neferata and make this a Castellite list. Uh, obviously, to a you know to to a degree, but like there's a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Maybe you probably wouldn't make it a castle Let's be honest; nobody's no, making Castellite. No. But you know you could.
1: <laughs> you could swap the Graveguard. You could you could remove the Vampire Lord for some something else, maybe like Kato, Then you could swap the Graveguard for a Mortis Engine, and a Mortis Engine is um, we haven't even talked about it. It's great against. Um, a lot of things, new gets like all the buff characters that are four or five wounds. If you do spirit Gale and you roll that nine up and everything takes two wounds and then you throw this Mortis engine up, you might be popping several characters just right then and there.
0: Yeah. There's, um, that's the cool thing. There's a lot of, a lot of combinations, um, and and a lot of cool things you can do and build around. I've Mm -hmm. got a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask from discord and then we'll kind of close it out. Um, so, um, one question around Soul Black Grave Lord's uh, Legion of Blood: Is it better to swarm objectives like Fear Cross or do more of a Death Star approach with the graveguard?
1: Ooh, you know what? Uh, I think that really depends on the person's flavor. Um, I personally like playing a little bit of both. I, and I've, I've run lists that are both. Um, I kind of lean towards the, you know, Grave Guard, but I don't treat them like a Death Star because they're such a glass hammer. It's the previous Death Star was was Blood Knight. So I would probably lean towards the latter idea that you had, but make sure that you have kind of protections in place for it.
0: How much do we prefer Gravesite Deep Strike for objective control versus preparing for a Turn 1 Alpha Strike? How does a subfaction influence, uh, let's say, for example, the uh, Avangori, um, who might have a bit more like alpha strike positioning pressure?
1: Mm. So they're asking what, um, uh, how often you would put something in the grave versus not the grave, basically.
0: Yeah. So I, I guess I guess if I'm thinking about what the question's asking, so you've got your grave sites, you can put summonable units in the grave sites are you thinking about it more for objective control, like popping up onto objective, mm-hmm. having bodies mm-hmm. and using the movement? Or are you thinking about grave sites more for popping out of the grave, like you talked about the grave guard and then going for that charge and, and using it to, to make an easier charge?
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say, why not both? Um, you can have both of those things happen. There are no restrictions on what you can put from the grave site and how many things you can take out of the gravesite at any one time. And that's something that's really, really useful to be aware of. Um, There used to be restrictions in, say, Legion to the Gas, for example. Um, So having the ability to have the objective scores pop off from the gravesite and also have your offensive punch in that same fashion kind of come up from the gravesite at the exact same time can put pressure on your opponent in both areas. You know, you can have a 10-man unit of skeletons that are on an objective from a gravesite and then also nine inches away from a unit and have the reroll charge buff from say Radicar or something. And now your opponent's kind of going, Well, crap. Not only did they take the objective that i I wanted to be on, but now they're covering it with something that is a huge threat to me. Even if they don't make the charge, now they're kind of insulating that small, weaker unit with something a lot stronger. And that's my best case scenario. My worst case scenario is now that unit is in my face, tying my stuff in, and they're hitting me very hard. So um I would say, honestly, both, but it really depends on your opponent and the matchup and the mission.
0: Yes. A thousand percent, thousand yeah. percent. It, it, there is no silver bullet to that answer, but mm-hmm. um, think about them both and what obviously the, the best situation, it depends as well. Like, am I bringing up 60 zombies, 20 grave guard? Am I bringing up 10 yeah. wolf? like the, the units and then like, you know, the grave guard and the, you know, like what, what have you got? And um are you going first? Are you going to go second? Like, do you even have that choice of going first or going second? Like, but there's enough to get you started. Uh, a mm. couple of other rapid fire questions would be um, where is a tipping point for black Knights needing a white King on Steed? So if I just took five uh, black, black Knights, is that, do I, should I be taking a white King on, on Steed or is it if I'm investing more into, into them?
1: Uh, yeah, it would be on the number of units, I think. Uh, and also, yeah, how reinforced they are. Um, if you have one single five man unit of black knights, you might not need a white King. If you have any more than that,
0: get a white King on Steed. Yeah. I think a white, a white King on Steed and 10 black knights is, is the party. Like that's, that's how mm-hmm. I'd be doing it.
1: I've already seen people and I know of people and they know who they are, who are already trying to build like 15, 20 man units. Uh, no, it has to be only 15 man units. I think uh, unless it's Legion of blood. Um and still like yeah the 15 man unit seems like really insane but that's too many eggs in one basket so 10 10's perfect
0: i can't remember what tournament it was i saw a tournament where someone literally had like 2000 points of black knights and like a couple of white king on steeds like it was literally it was like bretonia of um <laughs> of of Leech, of, of, of Nagash. like it was sure it was literally again. Oh like it was incredible like just just all the calves. all the calves. Wow wow Okay Thoughts on I think we've already touched on this like you might want to just give a quick overview but the sons of the sorry the, the thoughts on the sons of uh, Velmorn? the um Velmore? The, the king the king I think we talked a little, a little already about the fact that he's uh he slaps it's a bit of a graveyard type unit uh yeah
1: Yeah there's something really, really helpful that we didn't talk about with them. They have the ability to point and click to an enemy unit that they're in combat with and be like, "Uh, I am not going to let you pile in. And that is something that is super duper helpful. In addition to that, they can also be like, I myself will not pile in and now I'm going to have a three up save. So they um, always benefit from being near their named character. So kind of think of it as one big unit. Uh, in order to get the most out of it, but frankly um they are pretty helpful when you think about them being essentially eighty five points uh if you count the actual white king as being the same price as a normal white king, so just things to consider.
0: you just don't have the ability to customize but yeah, yeah, thoughts on the Askorgan true blade,
1: ooh, yeah, um. I wish they were better. I wish they weren't. Yeah. I wish they weren't in that 180 range being a little too close in points to Blood Knights. You know, I know they're 50 points apart, you know, since Blood Knights are 230, but like they, I could see their uses and I could see somebody running a fluffy list in an Avengory for fluff reasons and lore reasons with Luca Vi, cause she was one of them and do the whole thing. And, but none of it synergizes with each other. Well, and they're not summonable and they're 180 points and i personally just wouldn't run them um, if somebody wants to i'm sure if they're in cover and they're properly buffed they could be really strong but yeah i wish i had a better answer
0: <laughs> yeah and i'm looking at the war scroll and i think there's some interesting rules but probably not interesting enough like i think i'd rather just like the crimson court if i wanted this elite small unit body troops i don't know like yes. i look at him like it's all right like it's a four up strike last okay but there's a potentially are going to fail that um subtract one from hit, hit and wound rolls by enemy monsters okay but you've only got two wounds each on a four up save i don't know
1: yeah no i agree um i think that uh it's just i would truly just do the crimson court or i mean if you're looking at the gangs and those kind of like secondary box sets, um, there's, you could make an argument for the separate curl guard as well. I probably wouldn't do that. Um, but honestly, it would just be maybe the Crimson court, if not Santa of Elmore, for sure.
0: Yeah. And the Crimson court gained a whole bunch of wounds. So um, that's a lot yeah. more attractive. They're three wounds each now.
1: Oh yeah. 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 Okay. That's pretty helpful.
0: Yeah. We're from like one to three. So all of a sudden <laughs> it just exploded with wounds.
1: That's great. Yeah.
0: Last question, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, coming from, from Dave, the Vampire Lord in Disguise. We kind of already touched this one, but we'll just reinforce it. With the Vingorian Lord being more designed uh, to go with a, a hero-less monster, do you plan to take it without a monster, or do you, include to, you plan to include it with a, de- a design synergy? Yeah, so basically, Ven-Gorian. Are we, yeah, the Vingorian Lord. Are we taking it with a... Mm-hmm. With a a monster to synergize with it or is a Vengorian Lord, the only monster you take?
1: Uh It really, for me, it just depends on if I'm playing it in Avangori. If I am playing it in Avangori, I will bring an extra monster. If I'm playing it in another list, I absolutely won't even bring it in a, a generic monster. Those, those models are like, I mean, I personally don't like the models very much just because they're old, but they're, they're also 300 points for either one. If they're not conditional battle line and they're not um, going to add very much synergy besides just being near Vangorian, I personally am not going to run it. Um, so I am a big fan of uh, a Vangorian Lord still. I'm a really, really big fan of it in a Legion of Blood, having the three up ignore ward and it's minus one to rend uh, for using that as a buff for friendly units instead or ignoring the, the ethereal save and giving it the... Um, three up again uh, to do mortal wounds on spells instead um, because it's got that minus one to rend and then you do something uh useful for it for its command trait and it's ignoring ward saves and it's four attacks with talents ignoring wards in combat like vengorian lord's great yeah. but yes if you want i don't think it needs a um a monster unless you're running
0: Avengory. Uh, Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I could see Mm -hmm. it as a great alternative threat piece if you don't want to take a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. But, yeah, if I'm going in Avengori, it needs an extra monster. Without it, no, because then it's just too many points going into your list. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember, all the glow up the Vangorian Lords have, they did not change in points at all. They've always been 280 points. Mm -hmm. And you've basically gotten them better in combat. They've lost the things that were bad about them. And then they got that one ability, which you could have if you bring a terror geist or a zombie dragon, which you don't need to. No,
0: no, exactly. That's awesome. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Alex, Mr. G, this has been awesome. I think, again, we could have talked forever. This book is so (laughs) We haven't talked about, like, zombies. We haven't talked Mm -hmm. about so much in this book. But this will be part one of many videos. Um, I will have other guests will talk about different parts of this book. Um, Is there any final thoughts you want to share about this and and then give some shout-outs to your homies, the Corsairs?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely, uh, you're going to want to look at a lot of different units in this book. Um, there are so many. Um, I'm having a lot of fun just testing them out. Mortis engines very good. Um, don't be afraid to run memeless and just spam the same thing. Run 120 direwolves if you want. It'll be a nightmare. But if you want to run it, do it. Uh, um, you know, uh, blood knights are still good. They're still very, very good. We just didn't talk about them here, which I think is good because it's such an obvious thing to talk about. Um, you know, shout out to Jeremy for doing very well as Barker Left Party with this. Yeah, Night. Blood Knights. All right,
0: I'm not gonna I'm gonna look, I'm not gonna let you go until you talk about this yeah. because a lot of people were upset with Blood Knights because they lost some movement shenanigans and they were hoping for some coherency things like the Chaos Knights where they can fight in two ranks. And then, yes, they gained some extra uh range on the Lance attacks, but yes from everything i've seen people have poo-pooed the blood knights they're like oh they've gotten worse
1: you know i don't think that they've i mean they did go up 30 points right and that's something to to consider um the extra range with the lances always helpful or the the uh, lances or blades there are two rend natty which is very very helpful um and you know they still have all their regular command uh, ability. I mean, uh, command model abilities, um, and they're still plus one. Uh, they're plus one or two damage basically on the charge. But for me, the writers are ruined. At first, when I when I read them, I was pretty bummed out. The writers are ruined. Being able to remove that kind of not official but basically retreat and charge was a huge, huge thing that was disappointing to me. Um, but it does say models in the unit can pass across models. The wound characteristic of three or less as though it has fly. And after it's moved, you can roll and and they can suffer mortal wounds. So um, it can pass across things um, in any time that it makes a move. So that could be a charge move. That could be a uh, move move. That could be a retreat move. That could be a pile in move, you know, so you have the ability to do a bunch of two up D3 mortal wounds in multiple instances of the game, not just the movement phase and then also retreat and charge. So you could potentially move up, charge. Um, you, you could potentially move up and do mortal wounds, charge and do mortal wounds, pile in and do mortal wounds. So I I think that that's pretty useful. It's just now it's a slightly different tool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just, just from what I've seen, people have just been upset with the blood knight changes. I think maybe people expected Sorry. too much from blood knights. They're like, maybe they wanted them as their varenguard or something I don't know
1: thousand percent no you're completely correct on that I feel like every and that's one of the reason why I don't run them too is because it seems like too obvious of a, like a choice and because like then you're relying on good saves in an army that predominantly does not have good saves you know
0: by the way if they were a unit of varengard if they were like vampire varengard sign me up sign uh, me well, up well
1: I've been waiting for foot vampire units like blood knights on foot I've been waiting for those. I don't know what when that's going to happen, if it's ever going to happen.
0: Is there anything you want to you want to say before we kind of, uh, or you want to give some shout outs to the homies?
1: Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, uh, you know, my, my team, Corsairs. We're a West Coast team primarily. We're all over the place though, Have a lot of fun. Um, hang out with us, uh, get some drinks with us. We're always a good time. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we're, uh, you know, if anyone wants to. Uh, you know, hit the course that I was up. We are on Twitter. You see my handle over here too. If you want to ask me any questions as well. um, Not always the fastest to respond, but um, I generally do. So yeah. um, If you have any questions, let me know.
0: I can confirm as well, because we did actually go out for drinks and we had dinner. It was awesome. Uh, and I got and... to play next to you as well on and round three at LVO. You were on the table next to me against oh, uh, Mr. Bar- yeah. Mr. Barker.
1: And I played against a teammate. Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Damn that it. was tight. That was tight. I was laughing my ass off with a Seraphon guy called, his name was Anthony. And we were laughing our ass off at each other. And you two uh, were having like the, the most top table game I've ever seen. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it was fun. It was a fun time. Uh, I wish you were there for the, did you, you didn't play in the doubles, did you?
0: No, because I was hanging around. I was like watching the stream. I was getting involved on the stream. I was, I, I, I didn't want to play because I wanted to enjoy just chatting
1: okay okay because so that was a great experience as well but yeah no it was always a good time
0: alex i'm so glad you joined me again um thank you so much people uh go follow alex but also let me know in the comment section what you're thinking let me know what we didn't talk about we didn't talk about the coven throne we didn't talk about the mortise engine we didn't talk no. about like there's so many things again we'll be here forever uh this yeah. is part one we will go and find another discussion and we'll continue it But thank you so much. Let me know in the comment section and go follow Alex on Twitter. Um, Absolute legend. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.